Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer, This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Once again, to another edition of the Voice of Wrestling Podcast, I'm Rich Krejci alongside, as always, Mr. Joe Lanz. And Joe, how are you doing? I have, uh, Rich, do you have World Cup fever? Mm, no. No, neither do I. Uh, I, I. I briefly, there was a moment, I think yesterday, I think there was a moment yesterday where I'm like, you know what, I might watch this, or you know, I might try to, and then I, it lasts like a minute, and I was just like, eh, I don't really. Well, you know, here's the, I don't like, here's the thing, though. I, look, I, we're obviously not. <laughs> I would like to. We're, we're big sports fans, but we're not we're not soccer. I don't think either one of us are soccer fans at all. No. But uh, I, I do turn it on. I, I will put it on. and I'll leave it on as background noise. You know, when the World Cup comes around, because and there's a lot of that. There's a lot of it's, noise. It, any kind of big sporting event. I'll put it on. You know, the, the okay. U.S. Open golf is this weekend. You know, I'll get into that. I'll be into that. I'll have that on the TV. Uh, when it comes to the golf and the tennis, I'll watch the majors. You know, I don't watch it. You know, year round, but I'll watch the majors when they when they come around. I'll watch the Sunday if if a guy that I care about's in there and I'm at my parents' house. But yeah, sure. So same thing. With, I get you. I same get you. thing with the World Cup. You know, it, well, nothing could get me to put hockey on. Let me just get that straight out of the gate. That's one thing I will never put on my TV. I can't even put hockey on as background noise. But you know, World Cup. You know, come, I'm with you too. But comes around every four years. I'll put the World Cup on as background. Here, here see, here's what bothers me about the World Cup. Okay? <laughs> in this country. Everybody turns European when the World Cup comes around, and it drives yeah. me nuts. You get all these fake soccer fans who all of a sudden start calling it football. This is America, baby, okay? Football is with pads. <laughs> they, let me tell you something. And, I'm, and, and for the record, I'm not even a big American football a, fan. Is, so if people think that you guys are just red uh, blooded American assholes. But go ahead. No, go ahead. This go is ahead. America. We're all about gun violence, corrupt mm-hmm. politicians, and football played in pads that causes concussions. <laughs> That's America. It's not football. It's soccer. And apple pies sometimes, but mostly gun violence. Mostly those things. 
Okay, so if you're within these borders, don't be throw, don't be calling soccer football just because the World Cup comes around four times a year and you dust off your your jer- or your kit because now you have to call it a kit too. You can't even. Is that really what you call you it? Can't even call it a jersey. It's World Cup time. Is that what it's really called? I've never so heard anybody say it. It's like yeah, it, I get hot guys that get mad when I call it a jersey. I get the sweater and I'm it's, like, eh, it's that right. kind of deal. Yeah. So they dust <laughs> off their kit once every four years. I, really? And I've they, never heard anybody. It's, say It's that. a kit, and you know, it's not. They don't. Okay. They don't wear cleats either. They're boots. Well, that's ridiculous. So, but see, these terms, you know, football, <laughs> kit, boots, and, and the worst one of all, footy. Okay, I can't stand when people call it footy. Not in this country. You do whatever you want abroad. Okay, that's their sport. They're allowed <laughs> to use that term. In America, that stuff gets dusted off every four years. It is every four years, isn't it? Yes, yeah. correct. It gets dusted off every four years. <laughs> Got to make sure we're correct yeah. in this range. And, and, yes. and, and you get these people who pretend they're European every four years, and, and they're all indulged in this World Cup. When they, at least say, these people couldn't name, you know, and then they root for their nation of origin. They don't even root for the United States. <laughs> they don't even root for the United States, Rich. Well, I'm Cherokee Indian, so I will. Uh, no, I'm also mostly German, so I guess I'll. You have to. That's right. So you would have to. Root I have for to root for Germany now. Okay. For some reason, they got a good yeah. squad, or what? Ah, uh, Joe. Can I call it a squad? What do you call it? A team? Am I not allowed to? Well, I, I'm going to go Portugal. I don't know. Portugal but they, they play on a pitch. It's not a field either. Yes. Pitch. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. Now, you know, Joe, you got to root for Italy. No, I don't. I'm American. <laughs> USA. Gun violence. Well, my German flag is flying, so. Okay, so I, I, I don't buy that. Actually, I don't root for anybody because I don't care. I'll have it on. You know, I'll have a – it's sports, and I'm a sports fan. So if there's drama, I'll be into it. But then again, it's soccer. So how much drama is there really going to be? Um, I, I mean, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. go on a soccer ba- huh? rant. Ba- the ba- Listen, the rant here is intended to bash the fake fans, not the mm-hmm. sport itself. Look, I'm not Cameroon. a huge fan of the sport. Okay. I do slot it ahead of hockey. I can't watch. I can't put the hockey on, Rich. I just- no, and that's I, the hockey thing. And I, I, I especially living in Chicago right now, it, it's just it, it's sweeping the country. Only when the Blackhawks are playing, it's kind of funny. The Blackhawks are out, and now it has ratings that match like Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, in terms. But everybody's a huge hockey fan, and I just can't do it. I can't go to bars and watch it. I can't. I just cannot fathom watching it. it it's it's going live is good. I, I I enjoy the live experience of hockey, but man. You put it on my TV and my eyes glaze over in like 15 seconds. It's just I, I can't do it. And I've tried. I've really tried. but I've tried too. You know, the best thing about hockey is NHL 95 on Sega Genesis. That's the best thing about hockey. I'm a 94 man myself. No, but... I knew you were going to say that. And everybody says that. And I'm ready, well, you're wrong. I'm ready to fight. And I'm going to tell you Okay, why. here we go. So and let's, they, let's do Everybody this. loves NHL 94. And, okay. you know, they had it in Swingers. And it was a big deal in Swingers. And everybody says that's the holy grail of not only hockey video games, but sports video games. Period. Was it? 95 was slow, though, 95 right? 95 was a far better game than 94. It was a lot slower, though, right? Okay. If I, Am I correct? I, first, I, let me ask you this. It's been a while since I played both. Okay. But I thought 95 was a little bit slowed down. 95, you could play a full season. Okay. Trade players. They had the year-end awards, all those goofy awards hockey has named after people. You know, the – Con Smythe. Yeah, the the Lady Bing for if you're a gentleman. All (laughs) kinds of wacky awards named after people. Okay. It had the year-end awards. You could play a full season. Then you played a full playoff. It had player trades. You could create players. You could release players. You could sign free agents. This was 1995, Rich. These things don't sound – That sounds – yeah. I mean, you got to remember how old I was. I mean, you were were 28, but I was – I wasn't even – I wasn't even 20 yet. (laughs) Jeez, you're always tacking 15 years. I was a little child. I didn't. Um, Now, if I was your age when at that point, and I'm not joking, whatever, you know, you were obviously older, not 
28 you were whatever but yeah i probably would have been into that a little bit more did they have the noise meter because that was my favorite thing in 94 is i would try to get like as many goals in a row and then pause it to see how that because they had like the, the the noise meter of how loud the crowd was it did have expanded arena specific music when you scored a goal which well that's that's impressive again, 94 had that for too 1995 rich I do remember that. Yeah, no, 90, 94 yes, had that too because I was always the Whalers yeah, 90, for that sole purpose. Yes, for the Whalers. But 1995, add, the 95 version added more songs uh, for okay. more teams, for more arenas, which – and you got to remember, things like the ability to play a full season, full stat tracking, uh, player trades. Uh, these, these, this, is not, this isn't 2014 on your PS4, okay? These were innovative features that 94 just didn't have. I never understand why people prefer 94 to 95. I just don't get it. But I think what everybody can agree on – is 96 was shit, and it was all downhill from there. Maybe 96 is the one I'm thinking of that was really bad. 96, they changed the engine, and the players were uh, taller and skinnier. They didn't look as cartoonish anymore. And Maybe they, it is. That. Yeah, I don't, had, I, I'd, yeah, I'd have to play them. I own all three, so I'll have to, I'll have to throw them in at, at one point and see, because I, I seem to remember one of them being super slow. Like, because like, 94 is a very quick-paced sort of... Yes. It, it, the ADD generation, the Sonic... Sega Genesis sure. generation. We loved it or whatever. And then I remember one of them being slow. I don't know if it was 95 or 96. It might have been 96, now that you mention it. That was the one with the Florida Panthers goalie on the cover, I think. John Van Beesbrook. Yes, yes. Not even a hockey fan, and I know that instantly. How about that? Because that's pretty good. I'll tell you, that's impressive. I don't know how I knew that. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that was 96. No, no, you know what? That was 97. With Van oh, that was 97. Right, right, right. 96 was the last one with two guys on the cover. I think it was uh, uh, Scott Stevens and <laughs> Scott Stevens, and I forget who the other guy was. It was Scott Stevens from the Devils and somebody else. All right, but, I'm, uh, I'm looking it up right now. All uh, right, you are... I believe it's Steve Yzerman. If I am, all right, uh, Scott Stevens and Steve Yzerman. Okay, so so there you go. But but listen, the best sports simulation ever, according to Game Players Magazine. So <laughs> yeah, I, would they, would they wouldn't lie, Joe? Listen, Why would they lie? I, I will fight anyone to the death on the '94 versus '95. I know I'm okay. in the minority, but '95 uh, had the better feet, and it was essentially the same gameplay. I mean, it was the same engine. You know, you still you could break the glass. Could you break the glass in '94? I can't remember. I think so. I can't yeah. remember. You might have been able. to I believe you could. Could you? Yeah, I know what you couldn't do. You couldn't check guys over into their own bench on 94 i know you couldn't do that are you sure i think you could no, i see i think you're thinking of 95 maybe i am thinking of 95 you couldn't fight I played a lot of weight you, know, you, couldn't, you couldn't fight in 95 they took the fighting out see, and that pissed didn't. people off but see no, the fighting in 94 was overrated because even if you won the fight it, it didn't do anything it, there was no you'd get in the fight you see but whether you won or lost the fight it didn't matter in the context of the game I don't even think there was yeah, just like real hockey where it doesn't matter. Well, you know, at least there's penalties involved and just true. guys sitting out for. Yeah, no, because you could get in a fight and then you were just right back. Right. Yeah. No, I don't even think there was even in penalties involved in 94. So you, at no. least at least, you know, there was no even. Or if there were, I turned them off immediately because they annoyed me because I didn't understand. Uh, you're, one, like, oh, you're one of the guys. That I don't know. What offsides, I, OK, I was like six. So. You're one of the guys that didn't play with offsides either. It took a while till I did. Yeah, it was like it was later. I didn't understand. I still don't. I, I play hockey. I, I play like you know NHL fourteen or whatever, or whatever with my friends. Or whatever. And I still like we play, and they're they're big hockey fans. I mean, they're obviously huge Blackhawks fans, so they're always like they know exactly where to be. And then I'll play, and I'll just kind of like doze off, and I'm like going for the fast break, and they're like, no, you. Incredible games. They're they're a lot of fun, but. I just have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like running here and the guy's like, what? No, no, no. It's not where you go. And I'm like, no, I'm like wide open. And they're like, no, I'm not even a hockey fan, 
but I am a stickler for rules, Rich, and I would have those offsides turned on. Not only that, uh, it took a while for these games to catch up and, and add the uh, two-line pass rule, and I would be screaming at my TV at NHL 95. <laughs> that is a two-line pass. That is not allowed. This is bullshit. This is garbage. God, next year they Damn you, Mario Lemieux. two-line pass. What are you doing, EA? But, uh, but yeah, so um, – so from World Cup rants to uh, this is the rantiest. Made... This is the most random tangent we have ever. I mean, we begun the sh- it began the show with the the rantiest, not a rant, just a tangent. It wasn't a rant really. I guess it started as a rant and then it turned into a tangent. But anyway, big sock boys wrestling. No. <laughs> I can't stand it. I can't. I can't stand it. Dusting off their kits. It's annoying, Rich. I've never heard the kit. If somebody says I'm going to slap them now, just it's a kit. I'm telling you, they call oh, it a kit. What, what time are these games? Because I, I want to watch the NBA finals I think tomorrow. They start, 3 p.m. Okay. Uh, yeah, they, they start tomorrow afternoon, right? Well, yeah. well, for our purposes, what? Thursday. Yeah, I swear, if I go to a damn bar and they're playing this crap, oh, I it's going to be on. Kids. Listen, oh. it's the World Cup, so everyone has to pretend they like soccer. So it's going to be on every bar you walk into. There's no question about that. Now, as we know, you are a raging alcoholic, so you will be in many bars this weekend. <laughs> I love how I got that. I don't understand why I got that. Because, I like if, if, because I can tell you, if you follow uh, Rich Krejci on Twitter, uh, this man is, uh, is the mayor of every bar in Chicago. Uh, he, he is, uh, he's, he's frequented the mall. He's constantly on a nonstop drinking binge from uh, Friday, the moment he leaves work until mm-hmm. Monday, the moment he enters work again. Uh, and at work, all he does is watch Dragon Gate shows somehow. I don't know how he pulls that <laughs> off, but, uh, the, screens, baby. I, I, you know, you know, we once had Christopher Daniels on the show and he explained that, uh, the reason Curry man hadn't been around is because Curry man had a problem with the drink. And, um, <laughs> I think you may have a problem with the drink. I get like a craft beer and like nurse that and like water and the rest of the time. I just like, uh, all right, never mind. I'm not even going to get into this. I'm going to have to question the nurse on this and see what she has to say about your drink. She's the one that drags me to all of them. If it's up to me, I'd sit uh, at home playing NHL 95 all day. She's bad influence. All right, I got you. Just like Kazarian and Daniels. So again, we, we went full circle from the Daniels. The curry man, problem with the drink, bad influence. We're starting to, so it's all starting to make sense. I, I think I'm going to root for the uh, Ivory Coast or Cameroon. I'm looking at these. Oh, you're going Algeria. right off the You're not rooting for America or Germany. You're going off the no, board. Nigeria, Ghana, Prince Nana. I, I might want to. No, see, I'm going to be wrapped in a United States flag like Rob Conway walking down in a ring. Okay. And, and I'm going to uh, have hot dogs and hamburgers on my table, and I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. And holding a, an assault rifle. And... Holding my assault rifle, and, I, and I'm in Texas. So it'll, and your it'll constitution. Fit. So That's right, gripping my constitution in my left hand, my <laughs> assault rifle in my right and I will be uh, rooting for USA. USA. Who's your, uh, who's your favorite kicks man on the uh, I don't, I'm not even, United States squadron? I'm not squadron. even going to pretend to know a play. I'm not going to be one of these guys who goes on the internet and does crash course <laughs> and pretends they know anything about the roster and then complains about the lineup. Because, you know, that's another thing that's American. Complaining about the lineup. As baseball fans, <laughs> you cannot be an American baseball fan without complaining about your team's lineup. Even though means absolutely every nothing. statistical study will show you that it means absolutely nothing. You can put the players in any order you want and it will it, it, at maximum you're maximizing your team over the course of 162 games, maybe three or four runs a season by optimizing your lineup. Yet people will sit there and complain about lineups every single day of the season. And they'll do the same thing. You watch with the World Cup. They'll do the same thing. They'll complain about the lineup even though they know nothing. Nothing, yeah. Rich. They know nothing about the sport. And they're not going to pay attention to it again. You know what? They'll pay attention to it for a couple months after the World Cup. You know how that goes. Then it fades, and then they won't pay attention to it again for three and a half years. 
then they they're, they're into Liverpool or whatever random like right, English yeah. team that they've just decided that they exactly. like wake yesterday. Up, wake up every Saturday morning for a couple weeks to watch it on Go Man U, Fox like, Sports or whatever it is. <laughs> and when they get tired of you know when they want to go back to sleeping in again, then they forget about soccer again for three and a half months. So, Joe, you know this is how I feel about college like, basketball, right? Uh, yeah, well, you know, college basketball. You're 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 an avid college an basketball avid fan, but it, this is it's the same anger that I get every single year when people are, oh, what do you think Xavier is going to do? And I was like, you don't know one goddamn thing about Xavier. You have never seen them play. Shut up. I, well, stop. listen, you can't get on me for that because you know me. No, no, you're you're obsessive. I'm about on it, the college basketball. It's the same thing that I. The second the games start in November, I'm on college basketball. I sit. The 2K Sports Classic. You're. I, I am into it, man. All the preseason tournaments, everything. I watch college basketball wall to wall every night. From November right through March, so you can't, you can't get on me for that. All right, I do know about Xavier, okay, and I can tell you, I do know about Xavier come March, and I can tell you what they're gonna, you know, so you can't get on me. But the fake, no. you know, the fake, I see what you're saying. Though. There's a lot of parallels there. March Madness comes mm-hmm. around, you get all the fake college basketball fans. You're absolutely right. And how much better it is than okay, we'll get into that anyway. You want to talk about wrestling at any point? We're gonna, or we're no? gonna talk about wrestling at some point. I think that's show. not a bad idea. Let, let's let's talk about wrestling. We've got a bunch of stuff to cover here. We're gonna talk a little bit about Daniel Bryan and obviously his title being stripped and, and the ramifications of that. What we thought of the title reign. A bunch of other good stuff about that. Best of the Super Juniors that wrapped up. So we're gonna talk about that. Talk about the finale. Uh, thoughts coming out of that. Um, we're not gonna preview the Dominion show um, to, uh, this week because we're doing it weekly. We're gonna do it next week where it's a little bit more timely. Get a little. I mean, we we know the card, we know all the participants or whatever, but it'll be a little bit more timely next week, and we'll have our preview um, article up at the same time as well. We're gonna preview Slammiversary, yes, TNA Slammiversary, fresh off the heels of our our our, our mega TNA coverage week where we had a podcast and a review and a bunch of other good stuff. Are you? How pumped are you for Slammiversary? Can't wait. Oh, frothing at the mouth. Eric Young versus MVP. Maybe if MVP's not hurt, which he is, but we don't know because it's TV tapes months in advance. So can't wait. Just uh, just. Shocked, and we're also going to talk to um, remember the Imp- in- Inspire Pro Wrestling staff. Do you want to talk a little bit about that of what we're going to be doing there? Yeah, uh, we're going to have Max Mihan join the show in a couple of minutes, and he's he's been on before. He's a second Max, time, or is he a third? Is, I think this is Max's third or fourth visit to the show. This okay. is our monthly Inspire Pro Wrestling spot. They get a big show coming up on the fifteenth of uh, of June here. This Sunday, which has the greatest poster ever, by the which way. Which has the greatest poster ever. Go to uh, Inspire. Pro wrestling is it Inspire Pro? Yes, it's InspireProWrestling.com, <laughs> and I end up well see because their their Twitter account is Inspire Pro Res. Yeah, okay. the branding is is needs a lot of work. The guys, website so. is InspireProWrestling.com, and uh, yep. they actually have a very 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 innovative website for an indie. Oh, it's the best. It's the best indie. I mean, it it, it rivals a lot of major companies. It, it, it's one of the better. And, and I'm a guy who does web design. You, you know, and and. It stands out. It absolutely stands out. Yeah, but anyway, the poster that Rich is talking about can be found on the site. They got a big, a literally a world title match uh, on the docket for that show. So we'll have Max Mihan on the show a little bit later, trying something a little bit different, doing uh, bringing guests on to the main Voices of Wrestling podcast here as opposed to doing uh, a completely separate podcast for the guests. So uh, we'll see how that works out. And then uh, maybe, I think that's it. No listener questions this week, right? No, no, no. I think we'll have enough. I'm sure there'll be a tangent that goes on for two hours that we'll talk about at some point. So that never happens. Yeah, because we got to get to our three hours. We can't. But this one, this one really feels, Joe. It really feels like one. It's only going to be about two. But I've, I've I'm been done making that promise. <laughs> I'm done making it as well. So, uh, what do you want to get into, real? Well, you went to here, an indie show this past weekend, didn't you? And you saw. I did. I went to Dreamwave Wrestling. It was, a, it was a spectacular show. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, let me do talk about that. I, I forgot to write that on the notes. That was a. Unbelievable show. So Dreamwave is they're based out of um, I don't know if I'd call it Central Illinois. They they run in LaSalle, Illinois, which might as well be 
<laughs> might as well be Iowa. It's, it, it's far out there from Chicago, but a lot of people from Chicago make the trek out there. It's about an hour and a half. It's nothing but silos and corn, and it's a, it's an old random city, but but they, they do really good shows. And this is the first time that I finally said, you know what, screw it. I'm going to drive up there. I'm going to do it. And they had actually had a triple shot weekend. They uh, they were running Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I went to the Saturday show. It was called Immortality, which I talked to Matt Cage, who, who was working that show, and he's a guy who we've had on the show here multiple times. And he said, go to this one. This is going to be the show to go to. And, and, and he didn't lie. It was a just an awesome show, and it really featured in, and And this isn't just... I tweeted this out immediately following the show, and I was sort of like, yeah, people are going to kind of rag on me that I'm just kind of being a homer for Cage, who who I've, I've mentioned before that I've been a friends, friends with for a while. We've had on the show a bunch of times. Him and Johnny Gargano had what I thought was easily a match of the year contender, one that I'll definitely have in my conversation. Then I got home and I looked on Twitter, and a bunch of other people had said it as well. So I said, okay, you know what? I'm okay. And that, that was the one that definitely stood out. That was just an incredible, incredible match. I, I they They'll usually get their... Um, their, their pay-per-views or their events up, uh, video on demand. They should hopefully have it in the next few weeks. And when they do it, definitely. I, I think you absolutely have to check out, and I mean you as well, and I'll, I'll try to uh, link everybody when it's up there, is definitely have to check out this Matt Cage, Johnny Gargano. It was unbelievable. And, and, and the guys knew it too. Everybody sort of knew that it was just an incredible match. So I, I'm ranting a little bit about something you can't really watch yet, but it, but it, it was awesome. Definitely stands out. And just, a, just an all-around good show, good card. They get some really good talent as well. I mean, it, it was, you know, you had AR Fox, you had Rich Swan, you had Gargano, you know, Christian Rose, a lot of Midwest guys, a lot of guys from all over the country, really. So I, I if you get a chance, if you get a chance at any point to go to a Dreamwave show, definitely do it. It's, it's, it's a bit of a hike for us Chicagoans, but, but, but well worth it. So just a really good overall show. I, I, I hope it, it gets up at some point. But, yeah, I, I was really impressed, especially that, that, that Cage Gargano. I can't rave enough about how awesome that one was. Who distributes their stuff? Is it Smart Mark? Is it? It is. I believe it is Smart Mark Video that does that. Um, let me find out for sure. It's it's not High Spots. I'm almost positive it's Smart Mark, but. But they do have. They... That. It is Smart Mark. Yes, yes, correct. It is Smart Mark Video, and they they do video on demand. So that hopefully, I'm not sure they. Um, yeah, I don't know when they're going to get that up. So you don't have to order a DVD or a VHS tape or a Betamax. Or... <laughs> <laughs> no, believe it or not, they will have it up in a relatively timely manner. Where. I'm saying this now, and within the next couple of weeks, you can definitely watch the show. So weird how <laughs> a little rinky-dink promotion that runs in. And I shouldn't say rinky-dink. They do a good job. I and mean, they were in the Knights of Columbus in LaSalle, which isn't the greatest venue ever, but it, it, it was a good time. And everybody had a lot of fun. And it really – it felt – the crowd was way into it too. And that, that was my first Dreamwave show, and I'll definitely be back. It, it, it was a hike, and I had to bring a, uh, a non-wrestling fan with me. Nobody else would, <laughs> would wanted to drive an hour and a half to LaSalle, Illinois with me. But uh, I had a non-wrestling fan that was down. So – and he he – and that's usually my test a lot of times where I'll put a non-wrestling fan in front of a show and see what they think about it and, and, and what their reaction was. And he came away with it without knowing that I knew Matt Cage or you know nothing about Matt Cage and said, that guy's awesome and that match was incredible. He was standing up and cheering and going nuts. And this guy knows nothing about I mean, very little about wrestling. He's played the video games with me. That's about the extent of his wrestling knowledge and for him to be just you know he on every near fall he was standing up and screaming and going nuts and and he just loved it so that that was he also liked the there was a lince dorado uh danny cannon rich swan era fox match that was just well, like that sounds like it was nuts that was just insane it went to a no contest um which is a little disappointing because they were gonna have a rematch then on, on sunday but that was one that was just like yeah, you, you can imagine what that was like. It, it started out, initially it started out and Rich Swan, Fox came out and he was dancing a little bit. And I said, my friend was like, oh, this is funny. This guy's dancing. And I was like, Rich Swan is coming out. You have no idea what dancing in your entrance is about to be like. And Rich Swan proceeded to dance for like four or five minutes. Yeah. And had the entire crowd, Air Fox, Danny Cannon, had everybody. And, and my, my friend loved that one too. He loved Rich Swan as well. And I said, yeah, that, that's. Did Swan do his singing routine? 
Oh yeah, yeah, it was up all night or uh, or all night long. Yeah, it was it was incredible. So it, it it yeah, that match was really good. Um, yeah, just overall really really good show. Uh, overall and and yeah, I think I'm looking at their store right now and they have the mid May or mid April rather show already up. So I'm I'm hoping this one will be up pretty quick because that was that was one that was a really quick turnaround. So I, again, I'll let people know, but I definitely think. For match of the year voters, I definitely think you have to see this one. I, and the good thing was I wasn't alone in, in, in saying that. There was a bunch of people on Twitter that were also saying, you know, Cage Gargano, potential match of the year. And I, I, I do think it is definitely that. So, Lindsay Dorado is a guy who doesn't get enough work. I mean, it's pretty odd to see him on a show in the Midwest, isn't it? I, he doesn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a Florida guy. He um, has been doing, I think, him and, well, <laughs> do you know this? Is he... There's the uh, there, there's the tag team team Lucha. Is he one of the members of that team? Uh, I haven't seen a, like an FI show team in Lucha. a I, long time, but I, I yeah, they're, they're Florida guys as well. And for whatever reason, they're they've been up in AEW, and Lindsay Dorado has been up in AEW. I don't think they are, but they they, they seen I, maybe they travel together or something. But the, these are two both because yeah, as you mentioned, Lindsay he was on an AEW show maybe a month or two ago that I went to as well as Team Lucha was on there well, as well. There you well. go. So then they're, they're obviously all traveling together. Yeah, so, I, I, and yeah, they might not be that. I, I mean, that's probably not. It's uh, it's Jay Rios and Jay Cruz. I don't know. Yeah, I know I'm, that's not. No, that's not him. Oh, you're. Are you implying that that's him without the mask? Are you? No, no. There was there was initially on AEW when I had not seen uh, uh, Team Lucha before. I my initial thought was, wait, is this the same guy? Because Jay Cruz came out and he was like sweating profusely. So and, and Lindsay Rich, had just wrestled. Rich, but no. what's next? You're gonna start exposing the ants here? What are you What are you doing? <laughs> I don't think he this is. is a, this, is, yeah, this is a huge scoop. Scoop it I, I don't think it is. You're, I, I you're connecting so. dots here. You're exposing the, this, this man's gimmick. <laughs> I could be. I, I'm probably horribly wrong. So let me. Uh, I, I need to confirm this before I. Uh, I maybe they just. You know, they the, just have a card. The next they, thing you know, you're just going to be outing the Estonian Thunderfrog. I mean, what's next? <laughs> Orange Cassidy as Firehead. This is ridiculous. Oh man, this uh-huh. is this has totally gone off the rails. But uh, uh, it does not look like they are the same person. So. I, I don't even know where you would come up with a connection like that, but uh. it, it, we, we, yeah, it, it's because they wrestled back to back at AEW, and Jay Cruz for whatever reason was just like profusely sweating, like like you know how guys like, and that's one of my things. My girlfriend every time she watches Raw with me, she's she's always wondering why Bo Dallas and Roman Reigns are soaking wet, like especially Roman Reigns. It looks like he just got out of a pool. Well, those like, guys guy, they, like, they they soak down before they come out. But I, the guy's soaked down, but Roman Reigns is, see, like, <laughs> sopping wet. Like, some guys have, like, wet hair. He's got, like, a spot on his back. Maybe like, he's using vegetable oil or something. Like, it looks like it, and it's like, stays on him forever. Like, it doesn't, like, go away. Like, there's guys, yeah, like, you know, obviously Triple H will, will pour himself, or, you know, Austin would always have, like, looked like he was pouring water or whatever. But Roman Reigns is, like, sopping wet. Yeah, right. It's, like, it, it, it's glistening when he comes it's, out. It's, it's probably like, oil. I mean, it, some of these guys oil themselves down. Bo Dallas yeah. looks like he jumped in a pool before he came out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bo's another one that's just ridiculous. And she's always like, "Why are these guys so wet?" And I'm just like, "I, I, I, I can't." Ask. So, so Jay Cruz came out and he was just sopping wet. So I was like, "Ah, he looks really." But no, it, it makes sense that they're not the same. So, but yeah, Lindsay and, and both those guys are both Florida guys. They've been doing Midwest shots for a while. So that's uh, it's to see Team Lucha. They're pretty solid too. If you've never seen them, they uh, they face zero gravity at the show I went to. That was uh, you know, Rich. Unless they're traveling to the show on a bicycle, Hunico and Camacho style. It is possible to fit a third person in a car. You do realize that, right? Yeah, but there. I mean, <laughs> I was gonna make a, a Latino joke, but uh, <laughs> it's 
<laughs> I will just leave that We're there. We're just getting so, in all uh, sorts of trouble uh, on this show. But uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not really where I was going with it. It was just, uh, you know, the, the, the just forget. You know what? Pencils, pencils don't have a ton I'll of space. I, I think we, we, this needs to stop. You know, coming up next... Max Meehan will join the show, and we're going to talk about Inspire Pro Wrestling's Clash. This show's off the road. You want to restart the show? This one's off the road. <laughs> Coming up next, Max Meehan. We'll be right back. Virtual Sports Network, your home for the best Madden Sim Leagues on the web with year-round leagues dating back to 2003. Serving hundreds of gamers in a variety of leagues covering every sport, including fantasy sports as well. VirtualSportsNetwork.com. All right, and we're back with Max Mihan, one of the uh, owners of Inspire Pro Wrestling for their monthly spot here on Voices of Wrestling. And, and you know, Max, before we start talking about the show, you know, you guys have really hit it on the big time because Inspire Pro Wrestling results are now available on cagematch.net, which is the uh, number one source of wrestling results, uh, the biggest database probably and most comprehensive database in the world. And you guys hadn't been on Cage Match. Uh, for the first year or so of your existence, but now your results are on there. But the, see, the interesting thing about that is when you pull up Inspire Pro Wrestling on Cage Match, and underneath where it says owner, it says Max Mihan. It doesn't say <laughs> any of the other guys. So was there a hostile takeover that we should know about? Uh, no, actually, I didn't even know that we were we were on that site. So that's uh, you, you get to be the bearer of, of great tidings. Um, yeah, no, I guess we got to correct that. It's still Josh uh, Montgomery Biss and I. I don't know, man. It sounds to me like you bought those guys out because according to Cage Match, it's you and you alone. But uh, first, before we get into Clash at the Bash coming up on the 15th, uh, June 15th, this Sunday at the uh, Marquesa Hall and Theater, Austin, Texas, world title match, Lance Hoyt versus Mike Dell. Let's talk about last month's show a little bit, the, the uh, premiere of the XX division. I know this was a big show for you guys. It meant a lot to a lot of the uh, the staff at Inspire, particularly Brandon Stroud, who had a big hand in putting it together. Biss, of course, yeah. has always been a big promote, proponent of women's wrestling as well. Um, and, of course, the big announcement at the show that Inspire Pro Wrestling is now an NWA affiliate. Uh, just talk about that show uh, a little bit. That was a big success for you guys, and I know personally it was a big deal. Yeah, that that show was was a a blur uh, for me uh, from a wrestling standpoint. I I thought it was rock solid. It was probably one of my favorite shows to date. Uh, the uh, the ladder match was phenomenal. In fact, I didn't get to ask you what you thought of the show uh, before you left, but uh, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed a lot of the women's wrestling. I've always been kind of concerned about doing um, a women's co-promotion correctly. Because I know that there are a lot of talented women out there. It's just it's just a, a matter of kind of corralling them all onto a card from all over, um, and just making sure that you know it sets a bar, you know. And I think I think we succeeded in providing a show where the women delivered in spades. Um, you know, the, the the main event between Portia and Barbie was incredible. I felt like we did uh, the NWA Women's Title justice, uh, and and you know people stuck around for the main. Everybody was on the edge of their seats. Those girls got a standing O. It was it was a great show and a great success on so many levels. Really proud of it. The first official NWA women's title match uh, 
Chris Ronquillo, a.k.a. Tony Brooklyn, NWA vice president, was there on hand to make the announcement that you guys were joining the NWA. Then, of course, Barbie Hayden successfully defended her title uh, against uh, Portia Perez, which we talked about a little bit on last week's show. She won it with the Alligator Clutch, which was a homage to uh, to Mildred Burke, actually. And you know Biss yeah. with his uh, women's wrestling history. You know, he, he made sure to, to uh, shoehorn that in there, which was, which was interesting. Um, but let's talk about the NWA thing a little bit. Now, this is kind of a unique situation because you guys are the only NWA affiliate. This, you know, this is not Inspire NWA Pro Wrestling. This is not NWA Inspire Pro. You're not adding NWA to your name. You are still Inspire Pro Wrestling. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of people have asked what it, what it means. And basically, you know, we are, we are affiliated. Uh, we're working with the NWA to make the NWA stronger. They can claim us as one of their, uh, you know, stepchildren, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're just, we're eager to work with, uh, with them and, and letting them kind of claim, claim us as their, uh, territorial, uh, representation here in Austin. And for the most part, the idea that I get here is you guys are pretty much going to be the hub for the NWA women's title. Um, it, it's no secret that at one point in time, Biss was working with the NWA, booking the women's title, uh, working closely with Tony Brooklyn in the past, and then and 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 that didn't end well. No, no animosity on either side. It just didn't work out like either side thought it would. And now they've yeah. kind of come back together. So you guys, more or less, and correct me if I'm wrong, are you going to be the hub of the NWA women's title moving forward? Uh, I I believe that's the plan and that's the goal. We really want to try and make it. Make make all of the defenses that we host uh, premiere. Um, we're really proud to host Barbie. She's an incredible worker. She's she is you know throw out throw out like man woman any any of that. She's just an incredible worker. Period. Um, and we're we're happy to host her. She deserves she deserves everything that she has. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're like I said, we're going to want to push to we hope uh, add a tier of prestige to uh, the title. It's just another place for her to come. And, uh, and meet with some great competitors from all around uh, the country, if not world. I have no idea how you guys pulled this off. You managed to get the NWA affiliation without using the NWA name and changing all your branding and marketing. And from what I understand, unlike every other NWA affiliate as well, you are also not being uh, – see, how it works is if you're part of the NWA, you have to book the NWA world champion. You have to book the national champion, the North American champion, all their champions. And you guys got out of that somehow as well. This is pretty much just a women's title deal. How the hell did you guys pull um, this off? That's actually not true. i got to correct that. Um, oh, we've I got mean, some breaking news here. Yeah, kind of. Uh, we're, we're, we're open to uh, other championship matches being hosted in Austin. Um, in fact, I believe that may be part of our deal. Um, I, and I'm excited to, to do whatever we can to, you know, help them host matches that kind of put the brand on the map here. That's one of the reasons why we're eager to just work with them. Uh, we, we feel like we bring something to the table. I mean, I, you know, when we first started, you know, we weren't quite there yet. I think we're getting bigger every show. Um, I think we're making a name for ourselves out there. And I think that, we can provide a uh, a kind of wrestling entertainment that isn't necessarily always associated with uh, the NWA. It'll be it'll, it'll open up a lot of people's eyes to to what they're doing on on the internet in particular. I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they if they came to us and said we'd like to 
have Ron, Rob Conway come over and defend the title on one of your shows, we'd be completely open to it. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so things have changed slightly from the last conversation I had with some people involved with that, but that's uh, that's interesting. So some news breaking here. So we could see some of those champions on Inspire shows. So, but the X X division. We all know that's true. So uh, it, it's pretty much going to be this pattern, though. You're going to have your traditional Inspire Pro Wrestling events, and uh, and then the following month will be the X X division, which is the uh, the, the female centric events, and uh, that's pretty much going to be the pattern moving forward, right? You're going to alter between each yeah yeah i mean ultimately we're hoping that over time we can gradu- we can kind of gradually integrate both uh you know both shows into one because i, I personally was very happy with the flow of the last show it, it had a good feel to it and uh you know we don't have any women on this upcoming show on uh june 15th but that was more a coincidence it wasn't uh it wasn't intentional we were tr- intentionally just trying to keep women off the, the, the card but um I have a great deal of faith in Brandon Stroud and uh, Stroud and what he's excuse me, uh, Brandon Stroud and what he's bringing to the table. So I'm I'm eager to work with him and uh, and you know, in trying to elevate uh, the women's scene here in Texas as a whole. It's interesting too because you guys are able to bring in a real good mix of female talent because Biss obviously has his old school connections from the Anarchy days. Those guys are very that promotion was always heavily into uh, uh, promoting female talent, so he has those connections. You've got the connections from the NWA side. You've got Brandon's connections uh, because uh, he has his own contacts uh, in the wrestling world, particularly uh, with female wrestlers. So you guys are really able to bring in a nice blend of female talent, and I think we saw that on the first show. Uh, you brought Veda yeah. Scott in. Uh, you brought uh, Athena back to Austin. Um, of course, you had them to be champion uh, Barbie Hayden. And, and of course, with Inspire, you guys are never afraid to try new talent, and you debuted a bunch of new girls on that show as well. So yeah. I think that's that's one edge you might have on some of these other female promotions is you're kind of drawing from several different pools of talent. Yeah, and, and a lot of the newer girls that you're seeing, it's going to give them an opportunity to uh, to work with uh, more seasoned uh uh, female wrestlers as well and that's like a huge component of anybody getting better is working with people with you know a broader range of experience so i think i think we're we're, uh, we're in a position to actually help a lot of young up-and-coming female talent really really uh bat it out of the park in the future you know we're excited to help people develop and just get opportunities to to uh you know test themselves well, let's talk about that ladder match because there were some there were some men's matches on that show too and yeah. uh, I, I think the ladder match is what everybody was buzzing about uh, in terms of the men's side of the card when they were leaving the Marquesa that day. And it it's was hard uh, to say, man. There was there were three really incredible men's matches. I mean, I was. <laughs> I was <laughs> he's getting good at this, Rich, isn't he? He's uh, he's, he's right in promoter <laughs> mode here. This guy is right up there with Biss and uh, and Sapolsky when it comes to putting everybody he just over. Needs- he needs to leave a nugget at the end of the interview where, <laughs> yeah, in classic Biss style where, well, I got something happening, yes. but I can't tell you. So. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm well, sure that's good. Then, then he's arrived. Then he's you, arrived. Were, you were there, Joe. You saw you saw JoJo and uh, Tadasuke. Um, that was a phenomenal match. That was a great uh, match, absolutely. I was very pleased with Carson versus Greg. I thought that was a really great match as well. Uh, and But, yeah, the latter match for me was just – that was one where I was basically – I took my hat off and – my, 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 my producer had often sat back and watched it with some of the people in the audience and, you know, had my, had my mark out moments. 
yeah, Tadasuke or Tadasuke, I can never pronounce that man's name properly. But uh, yeah, his match against Jojo Bravo was a phenomenal match as well. Uh, that is true. And uh, but the latter match, yeah, I mean. It, the, the thing I want to focus on here is is we've talked a ton already about Ricky Starks on this show. We've had Ricky Starks on the show. I think the guy has a lock to at some point uh, really break through on the indie scene and beyond. And Barrett Brown, another local guy to, uh, to Texas who's another guy who's supremely talented and still very young, was involved in that match. But the third guy is the guy I want to focus on today, and that's Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Sammy, Sammy G, um, listen, I'm going to tell you guys who've never heard of Sammy G, Sammy Guevara. And, uh, and, and, and I mean this with all sincerity, you will know who this guy is within 12 months from now. There's no question in my mind. He is one of the most physically impressive young wrestlers that I've ever seen. And he's drawing natural comparisons down here in Texas to when ACH was just starting to break through when everybody knew ACH was going to become the next big thing on the indie scene, which he eventually did. That's the same kind of buzz that Sammy G has. And in fact, he had a match against ACH in Inspire Pro Wrestling, which is available for free on their website, inspireprowrestling.com. I forget the name of the show. Perhaps the producer can look that up while we're talking. But, uh, <laughs> Wait, what am I looking at? Uh, the name of the, the uh, ACH Sammy Sammy Guevara match, which inspired okay. show that was on, because I, you know, people need to go out of their way to see Sammy Guevara. He's still a little rough around the edges, but uh, let me tell you something. This guy is one of the most physically impressive athletes that I've seen come down the pike on the indie scene in a long time, and I'm probably nineteen. He does a lot right, man. Nineteen years old. Nineteen. And I yes, tell sir. you. He, and like I said, look, he's not a he's not a finished product. You know, Is it light the fuse? It's light the fuse. Yeah, it's light the fuse. Yeah, sorry. Yes, that's producer. Okay, I'll, I'll buzz out then. <laughs> light the fuse. Check it out. ACH versus Sammy Guevara. And again, he's not a finished product, but uh, he's only 19 years old. And the things the things he's able to do physically, and the one thing that I loved about this three way ladder match. And why it was what – and listen, I'm a guy who happens to be tired of ladder matches. I think they're overdone. I think a lot of them are way too spotty. Yes, I, I think that. Joe Lanza. <laughs> can't get God, enough. Yeah. I think ladder matches a lot of times are way too spotty just for the sake of doing spots. Let me tell you something about this three-way ladder match from, uh, from, from, from last month's show. These three guys had a ladder match, and there was exactly one dive off of a ladder in the entire match. And it was still one of the better ladder matches I've seen, regardless of the size of the company. You want to talk about WWE. You want to talk about any major company, any indie, uh, the Ring of Honor Ladder Wars. This is one of the better ladder matches I've ever seen. And they did one spot off the ladder. That, to me, was amazing, especially when you consider uh, the experience level of the people involved. And they were able to work a ladder match with only doing one dive off the ladder. But the one dive off of that ladder, they made it count because Sammy G did a moonsault off of the top of the ladder to the outside of the ring where thankfully Ricky Starks and Barrett Brown were there to catch him <laughs> because he'd still be laying there if, if, if they weren't there to catch him. Just an I'm amazing... sure they would have scraped his body off the floor, but uh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, they just buried at the arcade. <laughs> hopefully, I don't know what camera angle they used, but if you can catch me on camera standing in the back of the arena like a creep like I always do, <laughs> I'm, standing o- I'm, I'm standing over in the back by the gimmick table when he's climbing up this ladder, and I, th- and I think I had my face covered. Like, he's not going to do what I think he's going to do because I saw the other two guys setting up on the floor uh, for the catch. And he gets up to the top of the ladder. And he didn't get all the way to the top. I think he jumped off, like, the first rung from the top or the second rung from the top. 
And he jumps off the ladder, and I just – I cringe, and my turnaround, I didn't even want to look. I put my hands up on top of my head, and I, I thought he was dead. And uh, <laughs> luckily he wasn't. Luckily everything went all right, but it was one of the most incredible spots I've ever seen live. Dangerous spot. You guys don't have mats around the ring or anything like that. It's, just, it's concrete, baby, or whatever it is yeah. in there. So uh, I think from that height, a mat doesn't even matter, honestly. Um, <laughs> you're right about that. Yeah. But uh, just an incredible match. And like I said, that was really only the, the big time, you know, flying spot that they did off of the ladder, which I thought was amazing, you know, and it's but it, it was, was yeah, it was still riveting. It was still riveting down down the entire stretch. Um, and, yeah, I think I think this year Sammy is going to break through. In fact, I think Sammy is in Elizabeth, Pennsylvania for Super Indy 13 uh, this weekend. That's why he's not with us. Um, otherwise, he'd be he'd be if I had it my way, he'd be defending that junior crown that he won on uh on on March or may uh, may twenty seventh but he's uh he's gonna be in the opening round against Petey Williams, which is quite a coup for him you know that's a big um, spot for Sammy you know that's his biggest yeah. match since the a c h match without question yeah absolutely and i'm I'm dying to see how it goes and how people receive him and and how he how he performs because you know this kid this kid i think the sky's the limit for him and it is literally a j crown that you guys have it's not a title belt it's a crown yeah which I like is different. That. Yeah, it's innovative and it's different. I mean, your junior title is your junior title is called the J Crown, and it's a crown, and it it, it goes yes. on your head if people aren't understanding what I'm saying here. So, uh, that's an interesting little twist too. Now, is this thing going to be defended show to show? I know the original plan was for it to be a once a year deal, but it seems like uh, you know that that lasted all of one month. Yeah, you know, Sammy Sammy is a bit of a griper. In case you hadn't noticed, he uh, he complained quite a bit about the way the match went. Uh, that will be uh, the, uh, the the junior crown match went at uh, at no room to die, and uh, so he 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 demanded he demanded uh, he demanded satisfaction, he demanded justice, and so we figured you know we kind of bend the rules, and I think that now that he's had his way, the rules are going to stay bent. He's going to have to defend it. So if, if he can complain about you know, having his opportunity stripped. And he, he kind of had a legitimate complaint. Um, he was speared by referee Thomas Munoz, even though he kind of deserved it uh, in that in that J-Crown tournament, uh, which, you know, ended in the controversy that led to the ladder match. You know, you know, he did have a, he did have a point. He was speared by an official that would, under any circumstances, usually impair someone's ability to perform. I know that if I got speared and tried to go to work, few hours later that would really you know impair me from doing my job uh but yeah you know i think i think from going going ahead we're, we're probably going to have him defend that crown whether or not he likes it he's 19 years old he's a cocky little shit he's got great heel charisma uh he looks like justin bieber which is instant heat in any arena that he walks into so uh i honestly i don't think you're going to have the guy for very long i think once some of the uh uh, the quote-unquote bigger indies have a look at this guy, which some of them will since he's going to be working in Pennsylvania uh, this weekend. I think you guys are going to lose him. I think uh, he's he's going to get he's going to get booked elsewhere, and he's going to get booked elsewhere quickly. I think he's that talented. So we'll I'm see what forward. happens. We'll see what yeah, happens. Absolutely. He's, he's also got a tendency to ruffle feathers. I mean, you were there for what happened after the latter match. Now you know, yeah. I, I want to talk about that a little bit, and I know you're going to be political about it, and uh, you know you're going to let's see if you're able to dodge questions as well as Biss is uh, when I put him <laughs> on the pro. spot. 
He's a pro. But after that match, yeah. uh, there's a sort of a local situation going on in Texas. There was a uh, sort of an interpromotional feud between Inspire Pro Wrestling and River City Wrestling. Uh, where you guys were working together. Biss was bringing the Great Depression down to River City shows, and he was squashing some of their guys. And on this show, they had a presence on your show. So there was sort of a ROH CZW thing starting to percolate. Mm-hmm. And uh, after Sammy G's victory in the ladder match, he cut what you guys are, what Biss is insisting was an unscripted promo, but I'm always skeptical. I am always skeptical because this is pro wrestling. And, uh, uh, Sammy G, who also worked for River City Wrestling, quit River City Wrestling in the center of the Inspire ring and had some choice words for the ownership there. And then the River City ownership, Brandon Oliver, who we've had on this show as a guest, uh, had some things to say on Facebook. And it, apparently the relationship between <laughs> Inspire and River City is no more. Now, you guys are claiming. It has, yeah, it has been dissolved. Um, I will say this. I wish it was scripted um, because, God, we could, you know, we could, it could make some money some really off great that. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I have since spoken with uh, Brandon Oliver, and we've kind of cooled things down. I don't mind saying that. I'm, you know, I got in this into this business, you know, particularly with where I'm at to kind of conjoin people. I, I think there are just too many promotions doing their own thing, and that's great. Everybody has their own specific idea of what professional wrestling is. I know I have my flavor. Um, other people have their ideas of what makes pro wrestling good, but I, I've always wanted to be the promotion that, uh, brought people together, you know, rather than just, you know, competing against other people. I, I don't, I don't like having animosity or bad blood out there. We all love pro wrestling. That's the common link between so many of us that are in this business. And so I was really excited to work with Brandon. Um, that's why I'm so excited to work with the NWA, uh, We've got other promotions that we're going to be working with uh, on a national level that I think will really excite you in the months to come. Um, and yeah, I just I I didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, I was as surprised as everybody else, and uh, <laughs> that's where that went. Um, you know. Well, I see here you could understand where the broadcast journalist in me is a bit skeptical because here you have Sammy G, who is a, a fiery young guy. Uh, who does a cocky heel gimmick. And, uh, you know, he basically, that was a Sammy G promo that he cut in the ring. Now, if you're telling me he went into business for himself, I guess I'll take that at face value. But Yeah, uh, he kind of did. That's all I can really say about that. He did. Um, and it's taken some time to kind of smooth things over with people. And So, I, he, did I don't quit, think so that, he quit River City. He's not working for River City anymore. He's, he's no longer working with River City. And I'm pretty sure that there are some people who from – uh, uh, who who are from River City? Who, if they see him, will probably go after him physically. <laughs> That's now, see, the impression yeah. I got. <laughs> now again, uh, you know, you see again, there were River City personnel at the show when he cut the promo, though. See, that's where oh, the yeah. skeptic in me gets the wheels turning. You know what I <laughs> well, mean? Well, I, fact... I can tell you this: um, if if anybody had tried to start anything in that venue, they would have had to deal with me. That's a good point. And me mad yeah, is they... not a good thing. Like you know, I don't want anything. I don't. I didn't want anything occurring in the venue because I worked hard to get that venue. It's a sure. nice venue. It's a comfortable venue to go watch pro wrestling in. You know, and and I've built a relationship with those people, and I think that they, in their head, knew better than to start anything then and there. I mean, those those guys pretty much split right after. You know, and and reported back to Papa Oliver. You know, um, right, and, right. and I'm sure. Yeah, you saw the you saw the fallout online. Um, but you know, 
So you make a good point. If they if they if they start with the kid right then and there, they have to deal with your entire locker room because then yeah. they're causing trouble on they're causing trouble in your building and getting you thrown out of your building. So it's my living room, you know. Yeah, so that's a good point. All right, well, you know what? I'm going to take it at face value, and uh, but I tell you what, um, I know how these wrestling things go, and if you if, if if you know Brandon Oliver sniffs money out of this, but you know what? If 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 it is legit and Sammy G, you know, legitimately quit the guy, you know, then then there's no way he's going to be able to do business with him anyway. So I don't know who knows, yeah. but it was it was yeah. an odd occurrence. I saw I kind of saw Biss as Sammy G was doing the promo. He he face palmed. He he did a he literally did a face palm. As he was cutting that promo, and then he everybody looked at our faces. Everybody looked at Josh. They looked at me. They looked at this, and uh, yeah, we were. And everybody's like, "Oh, I." I had a few people say, "I knew that that was legitimate when I saw the look on your face." The problem, though, with the Biss face palm is that he's been a character in the storyline. In, yeah. in the interpromotional feud. So I kind of thought he was just putting the storyline over. So I don't know. I'm just naturally skeptical. So I've, I've seen too many of these situations where everybody's working everybody. So, uh, But anyway, moving forward, let's talk about some guys who are actually on the show uh, this Sunday on the 15th because Sammy G will not be on this show. Uh, first of all, let's get this out of the way. A very uh, horrible situation. Carson's pa- uh, father passed away. Is he going to be working the yeah. show or not? Uh, he actually will be at the show. Uh, I had been uh, anticipating that he would. I'm trying to figure out exactly what to do, and I got a message this this afternoon saying that uh, Carson uh, wants to work on the 15th as it, as it is Father's Day, and he wants to basically wrestle in tribute to his father, which you cannot you cannot deny the man that you know I'm I'm really impressed by him. But yeah, he said that his father would rather that he actually go out and do something rather than sit around and be sad. He just said that that's the way his father was. But then again, also, he just he wants to pay tribute to his father on Father's Day. So um, Interesting. That should be pretty emotional then if uh, his first match since his father passed. And I wasn't yeah. sure if his father lived locally or if he would be away at a funeral or, or just, you know, uh, just just too sad to go to work. So I wasn't sure if we yeah. would see him yeah. on the show. So. He will, he will be he will be facing James Claxton, um, and of course, if anything changes, you know, we'll we'll figure that out. But for the for, for the time being, uh, I believe uh, he wants to uh, he wants to pay tribute to his father. So Carson we're going to let him do that. Yeah, and he, he, you know, of course, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a NWA title match against Kojima for NWA Houston, and I know you were at that show, I was at that show, and that was a pretty good match. So uh, yeah, yeah. So- our condolences Carson, to Carson. Carson's one of the best in Texas, man. He's uh, he's he's a consummate professional. He's a really good-hearted and open-hearted person, and he is easily in. He's one of my top favorite people that I've met since start starting to do this. You know, you see him and he cuts this kind of an intimidating shape, but he's got he's got such a huge heart. So I can't imagine how this impacts him. But you know, and you know that his father must have just been the greatest man because he raised a great guy. Um, you know, Carson is just one of those guys who who's an asset to any locker room that he is in because he is just so helpful and so passionate and just just professional down to the toenails. He's he's just he's the best. I can't say enough good things about him. You know, my heart really goes out to him and his family. Yeah, our condolences to Carson, Barbie Hayden, his whole family, everybody. So I, you know, obviously he's married to Barbie Hayden. So uh, condolences to everybody on that situation. So uh, back to the. Back to the show. Uh, world title match. Lance Hoyt challenging Mike Dell is a true 
world title match, of course, Lance Hoyt, New Japan superstar, uh, all that. This is uh, the biggest world title match that you guys have put on. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, I uh, I just I'm just gonna sit back and let the chips fall where they may. Lance has been pretty ugly since he's come into the company. Um, I kind of get the impression that he's trying to win this belt to prove a point, and I don't think he really cares about the title. I think he cares about. I think he cares about kind of trashing it, honestly. Um, that's just the vibe I've gotten. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a phenomenal match. I know it's going to be hard hitting. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, I mean, Lance Lance has just been killing it everywhere he goes. He was phenomenal back at like the Fuse in that tag match against uh, Jericho and Tadasuke. Um We'll see what happens, man. I mean, that's that's a real wild card match. So. I'm not yeah, really you know, sure what to expect. It, it it should be interesting, and uh, there's a number one contender match who presumably will face the winner of that match, and that's uh, Matthew Palmer against Ray Rowe. Ray Rowe is back, so uh, the winner of that match will presumably face uh, whoever comes out of the Del Hoyt match with the championship. What's interesting there is Matthew Palmer is sort of aligned with Lance Hoyt. Uh, Matthew Palmer, of course, was trained by Lance Hoyt. So there's some interesting possibilities here. We could get Lance Hoyt, teacher versus student, against Matthew Palmer some point down the line. We could get a Ray Rowe-Lance Hoyt match somewhere down the line, which I think a lot of people would be interested in. We could get Mike Dell versus Ray Rowe. So the pieces can fall in a bunch of different places here, uh, depending mm-hmm. who wins these two matches. Absolutely, and that's, that's, that's what I'm very excited about. I think that we've set up these cards to where they can have any endless number of payoffs that people really want to see. You know, I'm really excited myself to see what happens next. You know, you really don't know what's going to happen, but you know that you're just going to get a really good match out of it. No matter what we're at that, we're at that caliber of, of card where, you know, everything is going to pay off in a way that's going to make the fans very happy. Everybody's going to get a good match out of it, no matter what way it lays. And uh, let's see, what else do we have on this show? We've got Ricky Starks against Scott Summers. No rope breaks. And uh, the genesis of that, of course, is Ricky Starks tends to lose his temper when he locks on submission holes, and he does not let go when his opponents reach the ropes, and he finds himself disqualified oftentimes. But that's not going to be a problem in this match. No, no. I think I think I mean that was actually Scott's, uh, Scott's stipulation. He really wanted to... Uh, he, he's all about giving people opportunities right now. He, he's got to prove that he is pound for pound one of the best pure wrestlers uh, in all the country, not just Texas, maybe even the world. Um, but he wants no, no, you know, no opportunity for an excuse for this match not to have a clear-cut finish. You know, there's a stipulation that he's agreed to that Ricky has agreed to, and uh, you know, he's really got, in a sense, no way out if you know if Ricky locks something on other than to be able to wrestle his way out of it. So he's, uh, he's, Scott's got something to prove, you know? One other match I'm looking at, which is interesting. This is a debut of a man, um, but this man is also the head trainer at the River City Wrestling Wrestling School. So with all the heat, uh, supposed heat that's going on between the two companies, is Masada going to make it to this show on this Sunday? I believe so. Um, that's, 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 that's what I believe. I haven't heard anything else, uh, I mean, we're 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 good with Masada. This has worked with Masada for for many years. Uh, we're we're very much looking forward to this match. I think this is one of the most highly anticipated matches on the card, and this is a card of cards. This is this is like a yeah, I I helped build this card with this because this is 
a card that we wanted to really make special to commemorate this being our one year anniversary. You know, we're, we're very proud of this card. And, uh, and this is one of the matches that we've talked about, you know, late at night when we're sitting around the table. This is one of the matches that we've wanted to see very badly for a while. Maybe it's a good thing. Sammy G isn't on this show. If Masada is going to be in the same locker room. Uh, so who knows, but that, of course, uh, yeah, I, I heard, I heard some things, uh, I heard some things went on when they had a match in RCW between them as well. So yeah, you're, oh, you're probably geez. correct. Yeah. That is probably definitely a good thing. We don't need any incidents. Uh, but he will be taking on Greg James on the show. You know, uh, Davey Vega makes his return on this show. He hasn't been an inspire for a while. Uh, Mr. B takes on that guy, Scotty Santiago, who's sort of become a local legend uh, in Inspire Pro Wrestling. Uh, we've got the Red Dead Depression against the Hollywood Knives. We have a, uh, a, a, a Chris True Dot Biz Invitational Battle Royal as he looks for his next charge. But what I really, and then um, one other match, of course, Andy Dalton and Jordan Jensen against JoJo Bravo and Sean Vett. What I really want you to talk about here, what is this? A live performance by Los Super Avengers. What the heck is that? I see four luchadors on the poster. Is this a musical group? Yes, yes. They're actually a, uh, they're a musical group of uh, luch- masked luchadors who play surf rock. They play very venture-style surf rock. Um, we, our event is going to be beach-themed, of course. Beach attire is encouraged but not required. Um, and... We wanted to basically do something that kind of kind of made this event special, and so we're going to have two intermissions on this show. Um, and during each intermission, we're going to have both Super Avengers play uh, a surf rock set to, for the crowd. So I think it's going to it's going to give it this this event this nice kind of cohesive, warm feel where there's just entertainment nonstop. You know, we haven't even changed the ticket price for this. We could probably have easily raised the ticket price for this, but we're keeping it at. 12 bucks for the fans uh, and 15 for front row. You know, this is, I, I think you would be hard pressed to find a better wrestling show for that price anywhere else in Texas. Uh, yeah, I mean, $12, very cheap, and there's a lot of solid talent. I mean, just from a – if you've never been to an Inspire show and you're not familiar with uh, with the talent that they've built, such as your Andy Daltons or your Ricky Starks or maybe some of the local talent like a Carson, uh, there are some name – you know, name indie wrestlers here, some name uh, – um, major league wrestlers here you get to see lance hoyt you get to see ray Rowe, you get to see davy vega uh you get to see masada so you know even if you're a first timer coming out to an inspire show there's still a lot to sink your teeth into here and then of course get invested in uh some of the guys that uh inspire has built through their one year in existence and a lot of them are are super talented it really is a quality roster i wouldn't put it over as strongly as i do if i didn't mean it uh you guys know that um it's uh, it, you guys just do a great job with these things, and you are outgrowing that building. It's a bigger crowd every single time out, and uh, unfortunately, I know that's a great room, but you guys are outgrowing it. And uh, here's another political question for you to dodge. I had a brief conversation with Chris Ronquillo, aka Tony Brooklyn of the NWA, at the last show, and uh, you know, it seems as though he was scouting the Marquesa Hall and Theater for a potential NWA television show. What do you know about that? Uh, I know, I know exactly as much as you know. Oh, here we go. See, Rich, he is learning. He is learning. <laughs> I think that's a Biss line. That, that you know what? That is an exact. I've heard Biss say that exact line before absolutely, too. Absolutely. The I know what you know. Yep. You yeah. know no, you I, don't. I, yeah, I honestly, I he uh, he mentioned it very briefly in passing. I know that he's uh, he's looking for uh, building to do uh, production out of. 
that building is really uh, optimal for it because I don't know if you've noticed, but if you look up, there is a there used to be a theater, and so there's a projection window which would be perfect for a camera. Um, a lot of the great shots that you saw from the ladder match, including the ones by uh, Stacy Brown, who was Barrett Brown's mother, um, phenomenal shots of uh, of the action in the ring from from over the over the space would be perfect for capturing action. I mean, if you had three cameras, uh, you know. Uh, minimum, you can get a great looking, uh, a great looking show out of that building. It's got great lighting, you know. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy to help set it up, but I really, I, I heard him mention it briefly, but there was nothing, uh, nothing concrete discussed. I completely agree about the room, though. It's perfect for TV. The lighting is great. Uh, there's the opportunity for multiple camera angles, like you said, with that projection room, uh, you know, up in the roof, and then the stage on the opposite side. And then, of course, you could have handhelds around the ring. There's really mm-hmm. good lighting, which minimizes the shadows. Uh, so, I, you know, it's a theater. So, you know, when you have a theater, the light, you know, there, there's going to be an opportunity for, for good lighting and good sight lines. So I think uh, it is a good room and hopefully it works out because I think if ultimately the television deal does happen and they do film out of that room, that's obviously your home base. So you guys are yeah. going to benefit from that greatly, obviously, because it's in Austin and it's your room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to working with the NWA on, on any level. So, I mean, it's, it's going to benefit me as a promoter. Um, to know, like, to, to to just get to get to be able to pick their brains and see how they do business, you know. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm open to doing anything. Hell, I'm I'm you know, I'm I'm open to doing anything. Like I said. Well, Max, go ahead. Let's uh, put on your promoter hat and uh, give it one last go and tell everybody why they need to see this show on Sunday. Pound for pound, I don't think that there's a better roster in the state of Texas than Inspire Pros. Uh, it's just going to be the premier event of the summer entertainment wise. We've got live music. We've got phenomenal matches. There will be cold libations from the bar. There will be AC pumping and there's abundant free parking right outside. Plus it's father's day. What dad doesn't love wrestling? Really? I mean, bring your kids out. It's going to be awesome. There you go. You heard it from the man himself. Uh, this June 15th, this Sunday, Marquesa Hall and Theater. Doors open 5 o'clock. Show starts at 5.30. Traditional uh, Austin, Texas Sunday wrestling show. It's a Sunday town when it comes to wrestling. And uh, the, the two intermissions would scare the hell out of me if this was an Anarchy Championship wrestling show because that means we'd be there till Tuesday. But Well, we actually this... know what we're doing, unlike certain people. Oh, oh, I wasn't expecting that. See, I expected to take my little shot because I can do that because nobody cares about no, me. I, I can but take I my shots, too. I wasn't Certain expecting people have been that. flapping their gums way too much. Certain Uh-oh. people have been talking way too much. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, and, and, and to be honest with you, I sat in the same crowd with those six-hour marathon shows. Man, those were brutal. But uh, we start on time. We open the doors on time. We do everything on time. It's not anarchy. It's professionalism. After all, it is professional wrestling. That's all I've got to say. Rich, that was a Voices of Wrestling caliber rant right there. That was fantastic. (laughs) It didn't come until the tail end of his appearance. He's probably going to regret it as soon as he hangs up the phone. But 
uh, Max finally giving us something juicy there. He danced around, <laughs> danced around the RCW stuff. He danced around the Sammy. He was he was open about some stuff. He danced around the. He, he was very. I don't know. Open. I'm not so sure. I still buy. I'm still skeptical <laughs> about the Sammy G thing. You know, he danced around the NWA TV thing. But as soon as I brought up Anarchy, boom, he slams the door right on. <laughs> he slams the door like Terry Gordy slamming the cage on Don Kerry Von Erich's head to make a, a Texas reference there. But uh, but Max. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you gave us a little juice here. We're not going to – I don't know, man. You, you gave us something to promote this show with there at the end there. But uh, Hey, have uh, me back. I'll get worse. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that because we never held this to his Ian Rotten story, but we're going to hold you to that one. So. Oh, yeah. We haven't heard that one yet ever? We never heard have you? Has he ever told you in, in private? No, I still never heard this, this Ian Rotten story, but we've got, we got to get it on the air. So it's like a year I've been waiting to hear Maybe this we'll get, It's probably not uh, even that good. But. We'll get both of these guys together, and we'll get the Ian Rotten story. And, <laughs> I'll hit record and we'll, back and we'll, up. Yeah, and we'll get Max to rant about Anarchy Championship Wrestling since he seems yeah, to Yeah, I'm, I'm set crap. up, and I've got a lot to say, so – Anytime you want to add me back, I'm about to rip the lid off of it. I'm getting sick of certain people's crap. So, you know. I, well, we got I, time now. I mean, I, hey, we got know, a lot of time. What a world true world. promoter. He waits till the end of the appearance to set the scene <laughs> for next time. Because we're out of television time, people. We got to go. Oh, no, we're going to go. You know, know. And, and, and next time, we're going we're gonna to get the uh, the full anarchy rant. Well, well, Max, I will be there Sunday. I will see you. I will give you a hearty handshake as usual. You will probably embarrass me once again and yank me from the line to ensure that I don't pay. Uh, and, and, and I'll see you there and I'll give you the handy, the hearty handshake. And I'll give you all my thoughts on the show as I normally do as I creep around the back of the building. I look forward to seeing you there and uh, yeah, please hit me up uh, offline too, because I'd love to pick your brain about the last show. I didn't get to see you before you left. So we'll do buddy. Thanks a lot. We'll do it again next month with somebody from the company. All right. Thank you. That better be Max (laughs) with that. (laughs) Take care, Max. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, yeah, thanks again to Max for uh, joining us there. Good, juicy information at the end there. So, Joe, you want to get into Japan? Let's do Super Juniors. Plenty of good stuff. First off, uh, best of the Super Juniors. Obviously, the final was uh, earlier this week, or uh, last week, rather. Oh, it was Saturday then, over the weekend, either way. But uh, the one real standout that, that I definitely want to talk about before we go over the card is that that main event between Ricochet and Kushida was, I don't know if it's match of the year, but, man, was that incredible. It'll be a match of the year contender. I think uh, it's getting that kind of buzz. I think it was right below that level. It was an incredible match. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I do have it below several other matches this year. It mm-hmm. has an outside shot of making my top ten. But it was a great match. It was unbelievable. It, it, it's rare that you can have a match. And, and I knew the results because I you know, I edited your review. And, and I knew. I said, okay, well, Ricochet won. Or I, I knew the result or whatever. When you can know the result and still watch the match and still jump, and like jump out of your seat at, at certain things is is that's something that, that that can't be matched. I mean that that was there was near falls a plenty in that match for it because I, I I knew he was going to win, but I didn't. I, I tried to stay away from really knowing when the finish was going to come. I knew what the finish was, but I didn't know how they were going to sort of get there. But still, it, it it didn't matter if I knew what the hell the finish was. I was still getting out of my seat every time you know I was seeing a new move from them. But just incredible, and I think. One thing before we kind of get into details is people sort of have this idea of what Ricochet is, and he's this flippy, and da 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 da. You need to stop thinking that because that guy is not that anymore. I mean, the, the first half of this match was him working a ground game, working like mat based stuff, this sort of stuff. I mean, the idea that he's just this guy that does backflips off the top rope, stop that because it's not it's not what he's been, and it's absolutely not what he is this year. In a year that's been just incredible for him all around, and he's slowly 
uh, transitioned himself into using the Benadriller as his primary finisher, mm-hmm. probably because he's his knees, he's, his poor, poor knees. Yeah, I mean his body's probably starting to hurt. So the Benadriller is uh, similar to it has the uh, go to sleep set up, and then he throws the guy up in the air, but instead of delivering. What do you think about the move? I've heard a lot of people don't like it. Uh, I think it's 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 fine. I don't you know I I don't know why people are complaining about it. I don't think it's the greatest finisher I've ever seen. It's okay. I like it. It's I like it just Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think I, I, I'm not entirely positive with the criticism, but I don't know if it's too close to the go to sleep and nobody can possibly have a move like, and most of these people that are saying this probably have no idea that CM Punk stole it from somebody, but I think it's also the the fact that the guy sort of stands up when he gets fallen. I think that's what people's problem is. I think the problem and, and that, is... Yeah, and I, I agree with that. That does look a little wonky sometimes where, where it, 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 it it's it kind of breaks the disbelief when the guy gets tossed off and then just lands on his feet and then gets kicked or whatever. But I don't know. It, is what, it, it doesn't bother me. I, mean, I, I don't let it. Yeah. I don't, I don't let the realism of, of a finishing move really bother me all that much, but I, you know, it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not the people's elbow for God's sake. I mean, it's, it's it, it looks, it looks realistic enough to me. I don't know. It doesn't bother me, but uh, you know, anyway, clearly he's come up with something that's going to uh, save his body a little bit. So he's not always finishing guys with, uh, you know, 630 splashes and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he has incorporated a lot of different stuff into his matches. Now, of course, his match with Yamato from Dragon Gate, where he lost the uh, Dreamgate title ma- uh, title to Yamato, was another example of a match which was, you know, not it was not a, you know, a, a, a flippy high spot filled match at all. Uh, even in the context of Dragon Gate. I mean, so he has adjusted his style a bit. Uh, he's still very dynamic. He's still probably the best flyer in the world, regardless of the fact that he's toned it down some. And uh, he is becoming a much more well-rounded worker. And on the other side, I think we need to talk about Kushida too, because... Mm-hmm. Star making... This, yes. Oh, man, even in a loss, even in a loss. Absolutely. Best, mat- best singles match of his career. Mm-hmm. And uh, without question. And, uh, you, know, it, you know, halfway through the match, I was thinking to myself... You know, I thought Kushida was going to win. And halfway through the match, I was thinking to myself, you know what? It's almost better if he loses. Just by the way the match is going, uh, it would be better if he comes close but doesn't win as they can continue this story on. And then when he does eventually win the Super Juniors, it'll have more impact. And uh, they shocked the hell out of me and he lost. I I thought for sure he was going to win. I didn't think they'd have the outsider come in and win it. Um, so they, so I think that all worked out as well. I think there's a natural story here now with Kushida where either next year or the year after he could come through and win the whole thing and it'll even have mm-hmm. more impact than it would have this year. So, um, just a great match. Both guys deserve a ton of credit. Um, Kushida is a guy who, who has been, uh, I've enjoyed watching him rise up the ranks and I'm going to enjoy over the next course of the, the next year, watching him move up the ranks even further. Um, did you watch the semifinal matches? I did, yeah. I, I've seen uh, I've seen both of those. They were I, I liked Kushida Taichi. Uh, Ricochet uh, Itsuguchi was just kind of there, and both of them were very short, uh, probably too short for me. But but they both got their point across. They bore. I, I, I think initially the matches themselves sort of disappointed me, but when it was over, I understood the point was Ricochet star, Kushida star. Care about these guys, don't care about the other guys, and that's exactly what they accomplished. I loved both of those matches. And Did you? I I, I, I like Kushida uh, Taichi. I, I, Ricochet Taguchi was an. Well, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to approach it like this: the Kushida okay. Taichi match. First of all, Taichi had a great tournament. Oh, he was unbelievable. Yeah. And, Unfortunately, uh, now he's suspended for two months and fined for thirty percent of this. Right for the, deal, the cheating but... scandal. 
mm-hmm. but he had a great tournament because he really he adjusted his character. He now brings that mic stand to the ring, mm-hmm. and he sings on his way to the ring, and uh, he attacks guys in the entranceway with the chair, <laughs> yeah. um, and he's more aggressive. And he did the old Eddie Guerrero spot, except instead of doing it with a chair, he did it with the mic stand, where uh, Taka distracted the ref. He tosses the mic stand to Kushida, and then he flops on the ground and is holding, rolling around, holding his head. And he tried to steal the DQ win, which I thought was a great spot. I thought they did a bunch of great spots in the, in, in this in this short match. Mm-hmm. I think it only went six or seven minutes, but I really loved it because I thought uh, Taichi had a really good tournament, and uh, and 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 I thought that he had a really solid match here. And it's a shame uh, with the timing of his suspension because I think he had a lot of momentum coming out of this tournament. And who knows if they're going to bury him when he comes back? I mean. You know, um, you know, Hanma's is sort of still paying the price for when he was sent away for a little while, when he had that whole uh, Yakuza connection thing that was mm-hmm. very shady and they sent him away and they brought him back. And it's not like he was a top guy when he was there the first time, but now he's clearly been used as a jobber uh, in a jobber role, you know, since he's been back and he's been back for a while now. So who knows how they're going to treat Taichi when he comes back. The Ricochet uh, Taguchi match, I loved it from the sense of, okay, it was a flash finish that came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I think I like when promotions do that now and then to keep you on your toes, you know, because you, you, you fall into this, you know, you fall into this pattern of, you know, you know, the match has, has a certain beginning, middle and end. Well, this match didn't have that. It had a beginning, a middle, and then it ended in the middle. Um, the finish came out of nowhere. It was a four or five minute match. He won it with the Benadriller. And uh, I thought it accomplished two things. Number one, it keeps the fan on their t- fans on their toes because you need to have those finishes now and then. And number two, it really put over the idea that, that, uh, that Ricochet uh, was going to be a tough guy to beat in the finals because he was coming in yeah. fresh. And, and, you know, he's the big international superstar. And at that point, at that point, I figured Kushida was winning, so it was a good setup for Kushida to sort of overcome uh, those sorts of odds. But then Ricochet ended up winning the final anyway. So I really liked the semifinal matches, even though they were short. Yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't have said that. I I, I don't know if I necessarily hate I, I didn't hate them at all. I, I like the story that they told them. As pure matches, just sort of analyzing them and giving you know star ratings and that sort of stuff, they weren't great. There was a lot of ones that... That could have been better on this show, not so much, but there was other ones. But no, I I, I thought they they told the good story for the final, and they built up perfectly to that final, which was just an incredible match. As a result, of a lot of the stories that they told in those semifinals and throughout the tournament. So no, I was I was way into it because she is a guy that we 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 talked about as we initially maybe you know months ago said of, of him as like a kind of a dark horse, and then he sort of became the favorite. But he was just a guy that yeah. You mentioned that he lost, but it, it it didn't matter. He was better in losing. One of those rare cases where a guy is more of a star because he loses, because now you always have that story, that little nugget of okay, he's got to get back there, he's got to avenge this, he's got to win or whatever. And I, I thought that was great. And I thought he he really came into his own in this entire tournament. I, I and I think you know I don't wish injury on anybody, but I think Alex Shelley getting, getting hurt is really going to help him in the future. Just get it, get that next opportunity, get those next sort of singles matches. What we sort of saw when Alex Shelley was away and and you know these past few months where he, he you know he went to America was on kind of excursions elsewhere Kushida really can kind of came into his own I think we're gonna have to definitely see that again so hopefully um I'm excited I I, I think it's 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 got me this final especially has me really excited especially reading in the observer that New Japan's really serious about Ricochet being a regular competitor has got me because we needed we needed sort of a, an injection of some new talent and these both these guys I think are, are, are better off from this aside from Kushida Taichi and Ricochet the tournament as a whole I guess you maybe saw two or three shows I saw four or five of them yeah, I've seen at this point. I've seen maybe three. I think I'm trying to. Okay. Yeah, I think about three is now the way. Yeah. Did anybody else make an impression on you, or did anything else make an impression on you in the tournament? 
Uh, one thing that I'm really, I mean, the, the parody booking, I, I, I know that they love to do it, but it's, it, it's getting kind of weird. You, you know what I mean? It, it's, I'm to a point now where I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over it. The, you know, especially the B block came to a point where there was like, I think on the last day, half the, I mean, I, I, everybody, but like two guys were eligible to still win it. And, and, and we had some guys come up with scenarios that were like, you know, the NBA, the last week of the NBA playoffs where it's like, all right, so if this guy wins, you know, if this team wins, they're the fifth seed and they'll play here. But if they lose, they're the seventh seed. And it, like some guy came up with those and they were just insane for the B block of just so many things that, yeah, I, I understand why they do it, but it, it's a tournament where I think you really want to be able to get a lot of guys over or, or make it clear who the guys you're trying to get over. And I don't think they really did that until the last day. I think there was a lot of time in there that they could have better served getting guys over throughout it. But guys that stood out to me, Kenny Omega, I thought he's a guy that continues to be pretty good. Ataka was another guy, too, that, that we sort of mentioned on last week's show that <laughs> it, it's interesting that we're, we're, you know, at the end of this, he was one of the guys we were kind of groaning at that, oh, why the hell's Taka in here? But he ended up doing really well. I mean, he looked, at, he looked better than I've seen him in New Japan in, in years. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I enjoyed Omega a lot. And I enjoyed- Romero is another one too. Sorry not to interrupt you. He's a guy that I remembered as sure. well that I was kind of impressed with this entire tournament. I don't know why. There was just something about him. Just sort of out of the Kozlov bubble. He, he really kind of showed a lot of personality that, that you don't usually see with the hooligans who just kind of come out and do their, as you mentioned, you get stuck into this thing where he, these forever hooligans, juniors, openers, It's you, you might as well just replay one from every month for the past, you know, Two years, they're they're exactly the same. And they're not so. bad; they're just repetitive. No, it's just you know what it's you you know the spots, you know what it's going to look like. It's just it it, it the, the entrance is the same. Kozlov's going to do his dance, you know. It's just it, it it was good to see him sort of out of that bubble a little bit and, and and sort of be able to be his own person for a little bit. Kozlov, through his entire career, has never really worked for me on the same level as some of these other guys. I never was a huge Kozlov guy. I have to be honest. He sticks out in New Japan as a guy that's. There's a lot of guys that are talented and, and guys that have a lot of like individual things. That, and, and he's a guy that just sort of – he's just meh. You know what I mean? And, and that's I, – I don't know how to describe it, but I, I've been the same with you. I've never really quite gotten it or, or if there is anything to get or if he's just kind of there to take up space. I actually saw uh, a pre-WWE uh, Brian Danielson have the only mediocre match I ever saw him have. Uh, in an indie setting against Alex Kozlov in Houston, Texas in 2009. And um, that really kind of planted in my mind that I wasn't a big Alex Kozlov guy. Because if you can't have a great match with Brian Danielson <laughs> in Ring of Honor. Hey, even Bray Wyatt did it. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, seriously. It was positioned in the middle of the card. And mm-hmm. this was on, I believe, Supercard of Honor before WrestleMania that year uh, in Houston. And um, – they did have some things working against them. A, 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 a fire alarm went off in the middle of the match <laughs> and nobody knew what to do. And they just kept wrestling. Some of the fans were kind of like, am I going to burn to death? Should I leave? Some people started to wander out of the building. A lot of people just stayed because the wrestlers didn't stop wrestling. But meanwhile, <laughs> wrestling's amazing. <laughs> but meanwhile, like only in wrestling, where like it's. And I tried to explain this because I was I was watching uh, I watched Payback with uh, my girlfriend and and her brother who who doesn't watch wrestling at all and and he just asked me, you know, he was just asking me questions about you know why is this why you know that sort of stuff and I said it's just so unique wrestling in that like you can we were talking about the Owen Hart thing and and how you know, why they didn't stop the show. And I agree that they should have stopped the show, but I said, there's, I mean, Vince McMahon could have went out there and said, Owen Hart has died. And most of the people in the crowd would assume it's a work. Like you just cannot, like a fire alarm goes off and most people are just like, 
is this part of the show or what's it? You, it's just like they've been so ingrained that when you're at a wrestling event, anything can happen. Rich, the show didn't stop. They just think. I mean, half the place could be on fire and people would still I, think it's a gimmick could, that like that some guy has fire. Like it was strange. I mean, they just kept wrestling and this fire alarm was loud and it was annoying. It was more like a siren because <laughs> it's a damn fire alarm. It's supposed to kick and, you uh, But it was a particularly annoying siren sound yeah. and they just wrestled through it. And I'll, I, I'll never forget because at one point I decided, you know what? I, these people are nuts. I am not burning to death at a wrestling show. That's not going in the newspaper next to my name that I burned to death at a wrestling show. So I got up to leave. And this is funny. I ran into Brian Alvarez, of all people. And I said, whoa, you're Brian Alvarez. And he said, yes. And, and he said in his Brian Alvarez, well, yes, I am. And I said, are we going to burn to death, Brian? And he goes, I don't know. We might. And that was my interaction with Brian Alvarez. So that's my, that's my Brian Alvarez story. He said that we might, in fact, burn to death. And neither one of us actually – we, we were thinking about leaving the building with this other group of fans, but we, we didn't officially leave. We kind of just meandered around the door and then the alarm just stopped. So that was a really, really weird thing. So that, that kind of hurt the match, I guess. I guess I shouldn't hold that against them, but life just went on. That match went on. Kamala was at that show. He was still taking pictures with fans during the fire alarm. I remember that distinctly. <laughs> it was just the weirdest thing. And, um, I found out years later that where I was sitting in the bleachers, um, uh, Katsuhika Nakajima came up to the bleachers after his match with Roderick Strong and he sat like right next to me and I thought that was just the coolest thing and you know it's the only time in my life that I've ever like marked out for a wrestler I shook his hand and introduced myself and thanked him for the match years later I relayed that story on the figure four board and I found out that figure four poster Supersonic was sitting right behind me in the bleachers because he saw that interaction uh, between me and Nakajima so there's two stories that no one in the world needed to hear. <laughs> Name dropping. Me, me running in. Unfortunately, it's people that nobody cares me about. Run, me running into Brian Alvarez on the way out of the building, wondering if we were going to burn to death. And a random figure four poster, Supersonic, sitting behind me in the bleachers at the, at the Ring of Honor show. We all could have died together with Kamala. But um, what the hell was I even talking about? Oh, Kozlov. Yeah. So I don't, the, the moral of the story is I don't think Kozlov is all that good. I guess I could have just said all that without <laughs> talking about the Ring of Honor show. But that, that's not a that's not voice that's, of wrestling. So. We're not the masters of brevity. We are the the ranting, rambling nonsense of. A... <laughs> okay, so was there anything else from this particular show that stood out to you? Um, I'm really done with the Bullet Club in general. I, it's the gimmick is whatever. The matches, I'm really starting to drag on the matches. The entrance. The post, the 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 we're too sweet, and the crotch chops, and the it's just I'm done. I just I can't take it anymore, and especially in a match with with Okada and Nakamura and Ishii and Yoshihashi, I should I should have loved it, and I hated it. It was like 18 minutes. Of, I wanted to rip my eyes out. I'm just I can't take it. I, I I don't know what it is. I'm just I. This was the show where I was like I'm done. I'm done with the Bullet Club. I just can't. It's there's nothing unique about it anymore. It's just it's the same damn thing every single show. We get it. You're kind of like nwo and you're kind of like dx like cool carl anderson will scream fuck you to the camera and, and the, the bucks will crash chat it's just like i i the, and the matches aren't they're not did you like this one did you think it was any good because the matches aren't good in my mind i just i don't know if it's just uh, i mean i don't know if i'm i'm going in with with I think I'm I, not okay. letting it grow on me or i i just i can't do it anymore it's just enough the young bucks have been great um the doc gallows carl anderson matches are have not been good this has been a bad title run for them. And I really thought they were going to inject some life into it after the endless 10 Koji matches. 
um, but they haven't. And I think they're going to lose at, at destruction. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, but I, it's, it's I, yeah, in general, I'm not a, a bad luck Fale guy. So I'm pretty much on your side with this. I, I, I'm someone who likes Yujiro a lot and think he thinks he has a ton of potential. I know a lot of people don't. So I think this is good for him. So he can sort of maybe kind of get a push and see if he could take advantage of it for once. Um, but overall, yeah, it's, it's gotten stale and, but it's not going anywhere. AJ Styles mm-hmm. isn't going anywhere. The Bullet Club isn't going anywhere. Uh, maybe they will adjust their act at some point. I think as far as this show goes, one match that shocked the hell out of me was Goto and Shibata against Yuji Nagata and Captain New Japan. Yeah, I loved it. Great match. And uh, Captain New Japan was fantastic in this match. That's my guy. I, I'm, 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 I'm totally on board. That, that's. I mean, he's a, he, he's going to get a most outstanding wrestler of the year. Award. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm going to stand right here at this moment on, hey, on, on I, June I tell 11. You what, though, I know you're joking. How about most, how about, <laughs> how about most improved? It, it, you know what? Hey, it, honestly, you, you look at that guy. I mean, he he's putting together good matches. I mean, he, and Nagata didn't care. Nagata was the worst guy in this match. And that's saying something with Captain New Japan. Yeah, no, I agree. He's been awesome. I thought it was, uh, as far as the way the match was booked, I for, for booking purposes, I thought it was it was bad. I think Goto and Shibata should have essentially went back and forth with Nagata a bit and then just squashed Captain New Japan. Because they're mm-hmm. obviously getting them ready for an extended feud with Tanahashi and uh, Makabe, presumably over the titles, if Tanahashi and Makabe win the titles from the Bullet Club at Destruction. Is it Destruction? Wish. Dominion. It's Destruction. Uh, Dominion, Dominion. It's Dominion? Dom- Destruction's the September ones. We'll talk about that in okay. a little. Um, so presumably that's the direction they're going. And to have a long back-and-forth match with, with a team that, that involves Captain New Japan, I thought was... But from a strictly in a vacuum as a match, it was tremendous. Captain New Japan mm-hmm. was great in this match, selling his ass off. The fans really get behind him and his comebacks. And uh, and but but I don't I here's the thing I don't think guys like Goto and Shibata should be selling for Captain New Japan. At I agree. Point. They should just they they should be presented as total ass kickers who murder people like Captain New Japan in order to get that tag team over. Uh, so from that standpoint, uh, I, I it was weird. But the match itself in a vacuum was very good. The other thing that stands out for me, and we're not going to go match for match down this whole card. Uh, there were a bunch of multi-man matches involving involving. Uh, the bullet club and things of that nature. Um, and nothing on this show was bad. I thought this show was much better than it looked on to be on paper coming. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. So it was an easy watch more than anything. It was just an easy, it wasn't too long. It was a, it was a nice tight, like three hours and it, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a really fun very show easy to watch. watch and nothing on it was bad. I enjoyed everything. Well, well, the Minoru, the Suzuki Azuka versus Yano mm, and John, yeah, that, wasn't. that wasn't good. And then Sakuraba came in, so they're going down the Suzuki versus Sakuraba path, which, hey. You told me it was over. Hey, hey, at least it's not Suzuki versus Yano anymore, you know? (sighs) You told me the Sakuraba thing was done. Oh, you told me the Gracie thing was done, I guess. The Gracie thing. I think the Gracie thing's done. But, uh. (laughs) You better be right. Well, actually, see, it's not over, because I think on Dominion. God damn it. See, yes. I think on Dominion, it's Yano and Sakuraba versus Suzuki. It It is. So, uh, yeah, I miss I misspoke that the thing with Yano isn't over. So that that was bad. But the rest of the card was was very <laughs> enjoyable. The other thing that stood out for me on the tour was the complete wasting of Mascara Dorada, who's one of the most dynamic yes. flyers on the planet. And he was completely wasted on the entire tour. And it you know mm-hmm. does two flips in a match, tags out, and then he's done. So, you know, that bothered me too. But uh yeah, overall I thought the tour was better than last year's tour. I thought this show was better than last year's final show. And I think that uh, Ricochet versus Kota Abushi uh, coming up at Dominion 
Dominion or Destruction? I keep getting confused. Dominion. Dominion. Destruction's in September. Here. Coming up at Dominion um, <laughs> is, is, has the potential to be the best junior title match in a long, long time since the end of Devitt's reign was spent as a heel, uh, doing gimmicky Bullet Club-style matches, and, uh, and Kota Ibushi hasn't really had uh, big-time showcase title defenses to this point. This is two of the best juniors in the world. And, yeah, uh, and Dylan, uh, our, our TNA reviewer, he asked that question on Twitter. Um, you know, I think a few days ago of, of this: is this the most important juniors match, or is this the biggest sort of biggest in terms of of buzz, in terms of guys coming in? I mean, these two guys, if you really look at this, I mean, you have a guy like Ricochet who who just won the best of the Super Juniors, a guy that was one of the first foreigners, or maybe the first foreigner. I, I don't know if that's true to win the Open the Dream Gate. No, he's the first foreigner. Yeah, yeah he's the first he, foreigner he, to win the Open the Dream Gate. You know, he, he that he's only recently let that go. He, you know, he, he's opened the Freedom Gate champion. You know, the youngest, best of the Super Juniors champion. I mean, just just an unbelievable superstar right now. And Kota Ibushi seeks for himself. I mean, we don't have to tell you about him. He's a guy that's just been one of the top juniors and and, and really a legendary junior at this point. I think it's safe to say that, right? Abushi at this point, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, absolutely. You know, yeah. It's 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 two guys who who've really uh, kind of come into their own and are sort of peaking uh, athletically at the same time here. It's it's it's. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this match. This is going to be. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have a really high bar for this match, and I expect them to exceed it. A lot of times, I have a high bar for a match, and then I'm worried that I, I'm, I'm expecting too much out of it. I expect this match to go above and beyond even the, the, the high expectations that I have. This has match of the year potential. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, this is, if you, if you, uh, you know, the, 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 if, if you're into this style of junior wrestling, uh, could you come up with a better dream match than Ricochet no, versus Kota yeah, Ibushi? No. And, you know, you, you know, Ricochet coming off the year that he's having and Ibushi as the IWGP champion. And then you've got all this interpromotional nonsense getting in it. You got a Dragon Gate guy facing a DDT guy for a New Japan title and a New Japan <laughs> ring. So there's that dynamic to it as well. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, we'll get into it more next week when we review, when we preview Dominion. And uh, but but really, this is I, I this is I'm more hyped for this match right now than any, than, than any match. I was, I was thinking about it the other day and I, I was sort of saying, you know, because I'm, I'm super hyped as well. And I'm just thinking there's no way this match can be bad. You know what I mean? No, it, it, impossible. I just I can't impossible. fathom in my head other than Ricochet blowing his knee out in the first minute. There's no way I can fathom it being Listen, bad. That's not even a possibility. The, the bar for this match is this. Will it be a, a serious upper level match of the year contender? Or will it just be fucking awesome? That's those are the two levels that that, mm-hmm. that they can hit here. They can't hit anything beneath anything beneath that's going to be a disappointment. They really have their work. I, I just can't even. Fa- I, I, these two guys, knowing what they do, knowing what they do in big matches, knowing how they perform. I mean, it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but for me, I, I cannot not see. Let it me tell you something incredible. about Ricochet and big matches. This is one of the better big match guys now. Absolutely. Especially this year, when you look at it, every time he's mm-hmm. been asked to deliver in a big match, he's delivered in a big match. You look at the Gargano match from WrestleMania weekend. One of the better matches of the year right there, and they delivered in the big match setting. You look at the uh, Yamato match in Dragon Gate and how they delivered yeah. in that big match. You look at this Super Junior final and how he delivered here. This guy delivers in big matches. Absolutely delivers in big matches. You look at Kota Ibushi and his big match resume of late. You know, you go all the way back to G1 with the Shinsuke Nakamura match, okay? And you can, you can go to the Ishii match. And you get, you know, this guy delivers in big matches as well. He steps up. So you're right about that. This is two big match wrestlers right here. This is big time. This is a big time match between two yeah, big it's... match wrestlers. And really say something else about Ricochet. Okay? You know, when you're talking about wrestler of the year, and a very thin year for wrestler of the year, 
Not a lot of contenders because of what happened to Daniel Bryan, which we're going to talk about. Forget TNA, non-entity. Forget, you know. <laughs> Sam Shaw's uh, drive to the top the other, the other, is unfortunately stalled a little bit. Got but, a bunch uh, of Japanese promotions spinning their wheels with nobody standing out. Tomohiro Ishii was gone in first place, so far ahead of everybody else. If you want to talk a wrestler of the year uh, uh, type of award, that no one else was even worthy of being in second place. Not anymore, because I look at Ricochet now in the year that he's having after that Super Junior final, and you know he's nipping at the heels of Ishii. And that's amazing when you think about it. He mm-hmm. really is. If he comes up and has a big-time match against Kota Ibushi here, and they, bl- and they tear the house down at Dominion, and they have a match-of-the-year caliber match, you got to put this guy in the conversation for wrestler of the year. Absolutely. With Ishii. You have to. You have to. And I'd have to sit down and take a real long look at it, because Ishii is another guy who has delivered every single time he's been put in a position to deliver this year. But these are two guys, you know, you got to look at Ricochet. You have to seriously look at him if he comes up and delivers big in this match. And the year's only half over. This guy's got to, you know, both of those guys. I See, that's the thing. I don't know what Ishii has in store uh, for the future, but I know that Ricochet has some big matches down the line. He, you know, mm-hmm. that he can, especially if he wins the title from Kota Ibushi. There could be a rematch with him down the line. There's stuff in Dragon Gate he can do. There's stuff when he comes back to America and Dragon Gate USA that he can do. So you know, it helps that you can work in three promotions and work with the best guys in all three. Yes, and, yeah, and all, you know, throw in PWG wherever else he happens to land. Okay, you know, this guy's a serious wrestler of the year contender yeah. right now. Absolutely a serious re- uh, res- uh, wrestler of the year contender right now. So, um, and I'm wondering for for people that I mean. I'm trying to think of – I'm a guy obviously that watches Japanese. I watch Independence. I watch this sort of stuff. I'm trying to think if I'm a WWE guy and I just watch like WWE and I just watch American, big American promotions, who the hell do you vote for? I have no clue where you go. Like do you – I'm, I'm thinking about that as you're mentioning that, you know, obviously you can vote for Daniel Bryan, but the guy's probably not going to be wrestling until SummerSlam or whatever. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that or, or maybe a little bit before that. It's really hard to vote him. I mean who do you – do you do like – is Cesaro like Cesaro is your like I can't even I I'm trying to think I'm racking my brain of who would you actually what is what has Cesaro done since WrestleMania That's what I mean though I don't know who you would vote for I, I I'm I'd be very interested in it. and maybe listeners can when you listen to this part you know tweet at us if you're just a, a WWE fan or American big American promotion guy who do you vote for for rest of the year I mean you can kind of extrapolate the rest of the year out and, and sort of assume where guys are going to go we're almost at the halfway point it's kind of harder to do that but. I, I can't even. You know, I guess we're at the you know, point. Dylan Hales made a good point a couple weeks ago. You have to seriously consider Eric Young. You have. Yeah. You have to. <laughs> He'd be in the. I don't know if you'd give it to him. He'd be in the conversation. How can nobody stand out in WWE? That, that's just. It, it's fascinating how. Not a single person can stand because out. Because despite being mired in the muck of TNA, the guy's busting his ass. Yeah, no, he's he's been great. On the mic and in the ring. I mean, that's how bad it is. There's just no one that stands out. I don't know. Where do you go? I'd be very interested. Yeah, you, someone can let us know. I, I don't know. Go to I, Seth I, Rollins? I, I mean, I, I don't know. That's what you the do. worst. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, Rich, who do yeah. you go with? I mean, I don't, okay. I don't know. If the year ends right now, you go with Daniel Bryan still. But the fact of the matter is we know he's going to be out forever. Yeah. So that's that's what, you know, obviously. Yeah, if you try to extrapolate it, you're going to be looking at maybe four or five months of, of the whole year of, of Bryan being an active competitor. So, yeah. That's, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm not. I watch a little bit of Lucha. I don't know if there's anybody down there setting the world on fire at a wrestler of the year level. I don't think there is. And then uh, it's going to have to come from Japan. I mean, it's it's yeah, right now it's going to have to come from Japan. There's nobody doing yeah. enough on the indie scene. Chris Hero was having a hell of a year, but it's tailed off. And, uh, you know, who else is there? I mean, Adam Cole is not at that level. Um, 
it, it's 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 there's you really have to dig deep. It's crazy some of the names that we're even bringing up. I mean, it, it, that that just goes to show, you know, I, and and who in WWE is poised. That's what I mean. If you try to extrapolate and tell me today, okay, well, yeah, but Blank is going to have a great, you know, last half of the half year. Half the year's over. So yeah. it's like they don't have a ton of time. To, 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 yeah, maybe Cesaro is going to have the best six months in in the world, but I, I would highly doubt that. I mean, give it to Rusev. That's my man right there. I'm in. I'm in for that. I'm all that, in with the that. Rusev. <laughs> you want to talk about? It? Let's transition to Daniel Bryan here. As we move along in the show. Well, did you want to do you want to do Dragon Gate real quick? You watched the iPad review. Any thoughts on that one for oh, people that, that, uh, that saw your okay. review? Okay, we can do that real quick. This was yeah. uh, from Corican Hall. This is the Gate of the Maximum on right? the fifth. Yeah. Now, what this was, and I said in the review, this was more of a storyline. This moved the stories along. This was more of a yeah. It, it was it was a second of a of a of a tour of. It, it was it was kind of setting the scene for for bigger shows down the line. But mm-hmm. with that said, this was your typical Dragon Gate show where everything is good and it leaves you with a smile on your face. Uh, no match of the year contenders or anything like that, but everything on the show was solid and it made you happy when you were done watching it. You know what I mean? It's just you, you click the computer off and you think to yourself, damn it, that was a good wrestling show. I liked everything that happened on that show, and there was a lot of fun shit that I just watched on my computer when I watched that show. And that's what Dragon Gate has been doing all year, and that's why they're a serious contender for the best promotion this year, uh, to be quite honest with you, because they haven't had those lows that New Japan has had. Even if New Japan's highs uh, have arguably been higher than the Dragon Gate highs, um, and that's arguable when you're talking about a show like Dead or Alive, which was probably better than any show yeah. New Japan had or, you know, I, you know, potentially better than any show New Japan's had. But Dragon Gate just stays on that consistently high level, and that's what this show was too. And uh, I thought um, my main takeaways from it were, uh, first of all, Masaki uh, Mochizuki. Okay, I got to talk about this guy. He was fantastic on this show. It was a tag match with uh, Mochizuki and Dragon Kid against T-Hawk and Aita. And uh, T-Hawk sarcastically slapped Mokazuki on the head <laughs> on a corner break and kind of had this smirk on his face. And Moki just went apeshit. And for the remainder of the match was grumpy Moki. And if you follow Dragon Gate, you know exactly what I'm talking about uh, when I say grumpy Moki. And he just beat the living shit out of these two millennial kids for the rest of the match. And it was awesome. And it was a sight to see. And uh, it was a hell of a lot of fun. And have you seen any of this show or no? I have not. I'm planning on watching you it to uh, either tomorrow it. or Friday. Yeah, no, it's it's. it's I, I try not to miss the dragon because, as you mentioned, you can just kind of turn it on. You you can have it sort of in the background. You can kind of do other stuff and come in and out and watch this sort of stuff. But when it's over, you're always you, you never feel like you wasted any amount of time. And uh, that Matt, I don't know. So if I'm you, definitely looking I don't know forward if you to. I'm planning on watching the whole show, but if you're going to cherry pick, do not skip that one. Um, and and the other person that st- stood out was a guy who hardly ever stands out. And that's Jimmy Conda. Jimmy Conda, in. Uh, it was the Jimmys against uh, Yoshino, Tozawa, and Shingo. And Jimmy Kanda, kind of similar to Mokuzuki, he just went apeshit at the end of the match and just destroyed Shingo. Which, again, if you follow Dragon Gate, you, know, you don't think of Jimmy Kanda as the kind of guy who's going to destroy a guy like Shingo. And he did. He just killed him at the end of the match. It was very impressive. And Jimmy Kanda means business, damn it. And, uh, and, and that was a lot of fun as well. And then, of course, the main event, which was a five-versus-one elimination match with... Uh, the newly babyface term BB Hulk, he had to go through all five members of Ma- of Mad Blanky to win the rights to the names and the colors, which was explained to me through somebody who translated. 
and I forget who it was. I guess I'm going to get uh, accused of uh, plagiarism <laughs> now Plagi- because I don't remember who tra- – because it wasn't Yotsume. Somebody sent me a translation. I can't remember who sent it to me on Twitter. But uh, the, the backstory is uh, he actually invented the name and came up with the color scheme. I did not mm-hmm. I did not know that. So that's Yeah, I heard that too, but who said that? I forget. So we're plagiarizers here at Voices of Wrestling yeah, apparently. I heard that too, so, but I forgot from who the hell um, – But anyway – so that was the story here, and he and he had to go through all five guys. So naturally, you see a match like this, and the first guy in was Mondai Ryu, and he beats him in within seconds. You know what I mean? And then the second guy in is Casey, and you're thinking to yourself, all right, they're just going up the ladder, the lowest-ranked guy to the highest-ranked guy, and it's going to come down to him and Yamato, you figure, or him and Doi. You know what I mean? And uh, no, that's not what happened. Casey rolled him up, and, and he lost the second match, which was a complete shocker, and he lost it to like a schoolboy. And uh, that kind of like blew everybody's minds. You know, no one was expecting him to lose the second. He didn't even get to uh, to to forget Doi and Yamato. He didn't even get to CyberCon yet. So uh, so Hulk lost and, and, and no longer has the rights to the Mad Blanky name and colors that will stay with the heels. But uh, then Shima came out and he decided that that was not a satisfactory main event for the fans. So he told Mad Blanky that they would, in fact, <laughs> uh, uh, be wrestling because, you know, they were all talking shit to B.B. Hulk and, and uh, bullying him. So Shima said he was bringing out one member of each of the other factions and it was going to be a five on five. So we ended up getting Shima, B.B. Hulk, T-Hawk, Jimmy Susumu and Akira Tozawa against Mad Blanky. So just a lot of fun because you had all these guys from different uh, units. Uh, working together, five versus five versus uh, versus Mad Blanky, and uh, so you got to see guys who used to be partners with each other or used to have histories with each other teaming together, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. So the show was fun. I mean, there's really it's it's oftentimes I come on here and we talk about Dragon Gate shows and and the word that I always use, Rich, is what is fun. Yeah, I mean the shows are just a lot of fun. The wrestling is great. It's crisp. Um, you know, it's, 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 these guys are, you know, Dave Meltzer always talks about Dragon Gate. He always says, oh, you know, these guys are destroying their bodies. You know, these guys, you know, half of the rosters in their mid thirties already. And they're never, I was going to say, they've been there forever I mean, doing when, this when exact is, thing. When is this going to happen? Exactly. I mean, I keep waiting for these guys' bodies. To I mean, Shima, he, you know, he's kind of slower, but he can still well, go. Shima, I mean, he's not like he's can't walk anymore. I mean, Shima's the one guy you can point to cause he's had the neck issues. But how old is he? I mean, he's the, the guy. I remember him. Yeah, in. he's like thirty-five, thirty-six, or whatever. He's got to be old. Is he older than that? Nah, I think that that first that core group of guys that have been there forever, they're all in their mid-thirties. They're all between like thirty-three and thirty. He's thirty-six. Thirty-six, you know. right? And then there's a couple guys, Mo, uh, Moki and Don Fuji, are in their early forties. But that that the rest. How young was he? How young was he in WCW? Ushima? Jesus, the guy must have yeah, been, must yeah. Have 19 or 20 at the time. Jesus. Okay, I guess that's what sort of, because I remember him from like 1998 WCW, so okay. Yeah, he, he was, you know, he was a young boy at that time. Yeah. yeah, he was 19 or 20, but that whole core group, you know, your Shimas, your, uh, your Naruki Dois, your, your Masato Yoshinos, your Dragon Kids, uh, you know, the guys that have been there forever, um, those guys are all in their mid-30s and, uh, you know, ranging from about 33 to 36 and... You know, Shima's the one guy you can point to. He's had the neck issues, but it's not like he's he can't go anymore. He can still go at a high level. He just had a really long Dreamgate run. Uh, he's never going to work at the top of the card again. At least that's, you know, what he claims. And I have no reason not to believe him. And, um, you know, so for all this talk of this style destroying bodies, point me to someone. I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm dying for an example. Yeah. I mean, they've had some guys uh, drop off and retire over the years. Um 
But you know, I you know this this main core group of guys, but that's going to happen in any wrestling promotion, no matter what the yeah, style. Guys get old. Guy, I mean, they they age. Guys yeah. get older, or guys get hurt. I mean, you know, they've had they've had some younger guys uh, retire as well. Um, that just did, you know, young guys coming through who just didn't make it. But that's the nature of the beast in any Japanese. Pro- I don't, I don't see where the Dragon Gate style. Look, I can see where it looks like it would be more physically. I feel like it's pretty safe though. I, I think they're so good at what they do. I mean, the guys always when they do with just a crazy spot, they usually land on like 15 guys anyway, so it doesn't matter. And they're always where they belong. Everyone is is positioned exactly where they need to be all the time, mm-hmm. whether you like the style or not. I don't think there's anybody who would who would argue that they, it isn't well worked for what they're trying to do. They, these guys are great. I mean, we talk about it all the time. To me, within uh, the style that they're working, this is the best roster in the world. I mean, from yeah. top to bottom, this is the best roster in the world in terms of everybody knows their roles. Everybody's great at doing what they're supposed to do. They're, they're, everybody sort of fits like a glove in, in, in what the promotion is, what the style is. Yeah, there's there's not one guy that stands out like that guy sucks. Like no, who would who just say is the worst Dragon Gate guy? You know what I mean? It's it's hard to come up with. The no, guy. they're all great. I mean, they're all not even good. They're all great. Like who's the I mean, worst? Who who's I, I can't even. I'm trying to. think. I mean, besides like a gimmick guy like Stalker, and even Stalker has yeah. his. You know, he's fine. You know, <laughs> he's okay. It's, yeah. It's you know, but he's clearly like you know the least athletic or whatever i mean you know kajitora is not so hot i guess um gamma is a guy who doesn't blow me away but again mm-hmm. these guys you know at worst those guys are average you know what i yeah. mean it's like there's no like you're saying there's, there's nobody you groan when they come out and you're like oh this is gonna right. suck you so, know? <laughs> there's no bottom of the roster where and look in five or in five or eight or ten years if these guys hang on too long there might be a, a whole lot of guys like that because yeah. they're all going to age at the same time. Yeah, if Shima's 45 and still, <laughs> you know. Right, if all these guys are in their mid-40s and they're hanging around. But see, Dragon Gate, if this were New Japan or something, I would worry about that. Because as you know, in the other promotions in Japan, they generally let these guys go until they say they're done. Yeah. And they'll keep them around. They, they keep, they're very loyal. They let these guys keep their jobs. They work at the, the bottom of the card. But Dragon Gate kind of beats to their own drum. And they haven't really reached a point where anybody's gotten to the point where they can't go. You know what I mean? So we don't know how they're going to handle situations like that down the line. So um, so I don't know. All I know is right now, you know, you always hear this talk of how these guys are destroying themselves. I, it doesn't have – I mean, Shima with the neck. Dragon Kid has had some knee issues. But, I mean, guys have knee issues everywhere, right? I mean, is that really yeah. uncommon? He's a flying wrestler who's had knee issues. I mean, you know, it's – it's. I, I don't – here's my point. My point is I don't see the Dragon Gate roster um, having – Wear and tear issues above and beyond any other roster in the world. Yeah, uh, with a higher percentage than normal right. run of the mill. I mean, indie, indie promotions have the same thing. I mean, it's not. Unless yeah. these guys are all limping around when they're not in public and they're all going to be crippled in a couple of years and they're just hiding it very well and they're all doped up on painkillers, I'm not seeing where where that complaint comes in. I where I don't see any evidence. I you know so so I don't know. I it's like you're saying maybe they're even better than we give them credit for. Because we see all this crazy flying in this fast-paced style, but they're really not putting a ton of wear and tear on themselves. Yeah. So who knows? But uh, definitely a solid show. If you're, I, you know, it's not the kind of show that I would recommend to someone who's not a hardcore Dragon Gate fan, though, because it was very storyline-driven show, and there was a lot of things that are going to get lost between the cracks if you don't really follow Dragon. But maybe we helped. Maybe we helped. So I, maybe you listen to this and then we helped. Sure. So it is available until the 19th. I just looked that up, so you can watch it until the 19th at ustream.tv/dragongate. So. Good stuff. All right, let's get into Daniel Bryan. <laughs> That's, we had a little bit of a discussion with people um, 
online on the observer boards and that sort of stuff. You probably know the story by now, obviously, Daniel Bryan. We mentioned it last week. It, it was unsure if he was going to be healthy enough for Money in the Bank, if he was going to be medically cleared to go. He's having issues with strength in his arm. Uh, it's not rehabbing well, you know, in his, in his well, it, 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 he's not gaining strength or mass. And I believe it was his right arm uh, after the surgery. So it's looking like he might, we don't know exactly, but all we know is he's not healthy enough for Money in the Bank. So WWE in, in, in what was a shoot, Thing, you know, last week has said, you know, if you're ready to go, you'll face Kane. If you're not ready to go, we're stripping you and we're putting it in a, uh, you know, a ladder match, uh, not a Money in the Bank ladder match, because as Lance Storm pointed out, very, <laughs> in Lan- in, as only Lance Storm can do, it's not a Money in the Bank if it's for the title, so whatever. But uh, yeah, a ladder match at Money in the Bank, and we sort of have that match ready to go. Uh, we'll talk about that as we get closer to Money in the Bank, the actual pay per view itself, and as once we get everybody, you know, all the competitors in there. But the bigger story is Daniel Bryan, and the bigger story is this title reign that's now officially over the title that he won at WrestleMania. 30 I said it people got sort of mad at me but man this is one of the worst title reigns in WWE history completely agree and I I, I there are people with arguments and, and I pulled up the other guys you know there, there's the Jack Swaggers come out as, as sort of these benchmarks and Rey Mysterio and the Miz I'm looking at these match histories of those guys they weren't great but man Daniel Bryan had one title defense and it was against Kane and he spent the other weeks you know it, getting has having his girlfriend dragged to hell getting in a car in a rental car that didn't work and speeding away you know getting miracles i mean i i to me i hated this rain to me this maybe it wasn't worse than those rains those guys had a little more title defenses and that sort of stuff i can kind of go over that if you want to have them pulled up but man pound for pound story wise defenses that sort of stuff this Dana Bryan one it, it it's up there it's i you, you can't find me a lot of other ones that are 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 on the same level for a guy that lasts in a month. I mean, you can, you can maybe say these guys that have it for two minutes or whatever, and then they lose it or, you know, they, they, they have it for a day and they lose it the next night on raw or whatever. But man, for one that lasted a month or two, there was nothing here. It was bad. Mysterio was worse. Swagger was worse. Um, those are the two obvious ones. But then again, those are like the Holy grail of bad title runs. Right. We shouldn't really be comparing. I mean, those so are ones that were, if, the, if, if, if it's even in the conversation is those two, which it is, which, which it, it has clearly to be. If is it's not, you're an idiot. Then it's bad. And I think there's no argument around it. Um, from what he wrestled four matches yep. total after he won the title, he had a no contest against triple H. That wasn't even a match. That, if you remember, that was the one that where they all came to the ring and right. the shield came out and, yeah. and that was just thrown out within seconds. So, so. Th- yeah, that's what I'm getting to here. So, now we're down to three matches. Uh, the next one was uh, Daniel Bryan and the Usos against uh, Batista, Kane, and Randy Orton on SmackDown. And that was a double countout that went 12 minutes. So uh, he was in a trios match. Then it was the Extreme Rules against Kane. Mm-hmm. And then he beat Alberto, Alberto Del Rio in a non-title match in a WWE Proving Ground match on Raw uh, on the 5th of May. So that's it. And he hasn't wrestled yeah. since. So he had one title defense, one real title defense. We're not counting that Triple H thing from Raw. And then uh, he had a bunch of goofy uh, shit that he did with Kane, cartoonish, goofy things where he looked like a goof and he looked like an idiot and he looked like a coward. And, um, you know, there was an argument from David Bixenspan on Twitter. He was making the point that um, – on Twitter and also on the observer board that uh, he was not booked like a coward or to run away. He was booked to protect his wife. Well, it's all the same thing. Then don't book him with his wife to begin with. Right. Um, you know, don't put him in there with the cartoon monster then. Um, here, here's the thing though, too. 
let me uh, let me I'm gonna ask you a few questions, Rich. They're just yeah. they're just yes or no questions. Okay. And the question is, would blank react? Would blank's character react the way Daniel Bryan's character did uh, when Kane's uh, music hit? If their wife was in the ring with them, okay? Do you understand the question? Not really. Okay, no. all right. So <laughs> just supplant supplant Daniel Bryan with the men that I'm okay. gonna name. And tell me okay. if they would have Oh, I see, I see. I get it. And the game. tell okay. me if they I was like, who's blank? Okay, now listen. Who, now tell me yeah. if the if any of these if these men would have ran to their rental car frantically mm-hmm. to get their wife out of there, or if they would have fought Kane or yeah. d- done anything differently. So I'm saying yes if they would have fought Kane. They're, or yes, they, they are ran. in the place of Daniel Bryan, and their wives are in the ring with them. Okay. Stone Cold Steve Austin would not run away. The Rock would not run away. Hulk Hogan <laughs> probably not run away. No. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage uh, as a babyface. As a babyface, I, I should preface as well. <laughs> all of these men are babyfaces in this scenario, yeah. not heels. The, these are babyface world champions. Randy Savage. Yeah, Macho. Uh, we, we know, no. So we've, we've only seen, seen that, that a billion no. times, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I can go right down the line. Uh, would the big show react that way? I don't know. It's, he'd probably cry or as something. A, as a baby face world champion. <laughs> yeah, probably not. No, no, no. They obviously book him when, when he's, it, it depends if they're on monster would, big show or, or not, would, but yeah. Would, would biker undertaker with Sarah oh, in the ring th- with him? No, he'd go into the crowd and beat the hell out of DDP for 45 minutes. Uh, would he react? As I just way? watched yesterday. Would he, would he run to the back and jump in a rental car and drive away from Kane? No, he would get in his – yeah, no, he would go into the ring and or he'd drive his motorcycle to the ring and kick the hell out of the guy. No, absolutely I'm not. I'm just curious. We, we've seen that. We've seen yeah, that. I'm just curious if any of these men – these men yeah, – so far, so far, I haven't found a runner yet. Maybe a big Any but. of these men, and that's the operative word of these men. These men were presented as men, Rich. Yes. Men. Who will who eat meat? Who will fight? <laughs> they wouldn't run from Kane and hop in a rental car just because their wife is there. They'd either put their wife behind them and put their fists up, or they tell their wife to get the hell out of the ring. Shit! A couple weeks earlier, when the same thing happened, Stephanie McMahon told Bree to run. Yeah. A couple weeks earlier, Daniel Bryan can't tell Bree to run. Is it Bree or Nikki? I always get confused. It's Bree. Okay. It's Bree. No. Nikki's got the fake boots. So, you know what? And is begging Cena. What, what, what is Daniel Bryan booked to do? Run and hop in a rental car and run away. Yeah, and even if you don't want to use the word run, if he didn't run away, if he was getting his wife out of there, again, as you mentioned, we've seen guys where, where this has happened, and, and it's usually get out of the ring, and I'm going to go kick this guy's ass for you. That's wrestling. I mean, I, 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 it, I mean, that's that's how the guy is booked to be. It, it, it looks like, yeah, it. You can maybe say he wasn't running, but goddamn it, it looked like he was running. You know he what I mean? Like he I, got. Listen, it, it, it's become an argument of semantics. The bottom yeah, line he, is he's not booked like a man. He hasn't been booked. He got away from the attack. He got him and his wife away from the attack. That's not what a babyface champion no. does. A babyface champion stands there and fights. Would John Cena run away? I mean, come Hell on. No. John Cena wouldn't run away if 10 guys, if 10 canes came to the ring. That character is not running away. That character is getting his ass beat in the center of the ring. What did John Cena do when he got surrounded by the Nexus? Hey, fought him all. He shrugged his shoulders. For, no, this was beautiful. What he did was he made a face and shrugged his shoulders and said, well, I'm going down, so let's do it. And oh, he, yeah, and then and he got, then he got, his, and then he <laughs> got no, his ass beat. Yeah. That's what a babyface hero does. A babyface hero doesn't hightail it to the rental car, whether it's his wife, his kid, or anybody else in the ring. 
that's not how they behave. So that argument doesn't hold any water to me. It, it holds zero water. He hasn't been booked like a man. They emasculated him as champion. Mm-hmm. Totally emasculated the guy. He was booked like a little pussy. I mean, that's yeah. just the bottom line. You can't argue that. You really can't look, argue that. He's, I mean, he's I, you, with, you're look, insane if you are. He's a guy who's portrayed as having a lot of heart, and he has a lot of fight. But he's he's the little he's underdog, the man, and, man. and you know he's yeah. a little underdog guy, and he wins one a banana peel, and you know he's not portrayed as a man, as a as as as, as a fucking man who will stand there. He he runs. He ran. That's not the way you should book this guy. It's not how you book a world champion. He was booked poorly. The character was booked poorly. And mm-hmm. and you know what he said on the uh, – was it the Jericho or Steve Austin show that he was on? was very telling to me. I lose track. When he said – but the, the point is what he said was – I think it was Jericho, he, but I, I – I, yeah. He, he doesn't know what direction his character is ever going, and he doesn't care. He goes to work and does what he's told, and that's part of the problem mm-hmm. because none of those other guys I named would ever participate – in the angles that he participated in with Wikane. When they realized they were a money player. They would have looked up at the when writers. They, know that they're the, yeah. they would have looked up at Vince McMahon himself and said, fuck you, I'm not doing this. Why would I run? What's my character's motivation to run? I'm going to stand there and fight this guy. And the fact that Daniel Bryan's being booked with a cartoon monster to begin with is yeah, and that's, and that's if people. If you want to, okay, get away from the, okay, he ran, da, 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 da. look at what, how he it, it and I ask people, okay, were you happy with the way with, with the direction his character went? Were, are you were you totally cool with him? You know, his wife being dragged to hell and and the monster Kane grabbing his mask from a, 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 a you know display case and and running rampant and stuff. You weren't. There's no way you could have enjoyed this. It was awful. You know, it was awful. Stop acting like it wasn't awful. The guy was booked was the with the cartoon. He was booked against the cartoon character. The demon Kane. It's, it was, it's not meant to be taken seriously. It's it's all tongue in cheek. Which it's, is insane because the past year of Daniel Bryan has been all this sort of realism. And we hear, you know, David Schumacher talks about the reality era and all this crap. And then we have this goofy monster dragging people to the bottom of hockey arenas. It's like, all right, well, I mean, it's it's the whole it thing was start to finish. He's booked with a cartoon monster. His wife is involved. Why is the wife involved anyway? Yeah, that tells you forget something right. Forget the fact right. that yeah. – forget the stupid argument of was he protecting his wife? Was he running away? Why is the wife involved? Get her out of there. Don't involve her in these angles. With the cartoon monster. Why is he booked with the cartoon monster anyway? Why is Kane being booked in anything important in 2014? <laughs> Why do I feel like I'm saying this on every show? Why is Kane booked in anything important in 2014? When he shouldn't have been booked in anything important in 2004. Why is he being booked in something important in 2014? He stinks. He stinks. And he's a cartoon monster and he stinks. Which makes him even worse. He's no good when he's not a cartoon. If you're restricting him by being a cartoon monster, he's even worse. I mean, it just you can't. And, and you're booking him with your world champion. If I'm a fan, if I'm just a casual fan, Kane is the toughest guy in the world, not the world champion. It's not supposed to work like that. No. It's supposed to be the other way around, especially when the guy's just starting his title run and you're trying to put him over. Especially when the whole build-up to his title run was that he was an underdog who kept getting screwed. Okay, that story's over. Now it's time to present him as an ass-kicker and a serious threat. Yeah, and, and that's something I had a, a lot of argument with people saying, well, he's sort of the underdog. He's this guy. And I said, no, 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 no. He, he can't be anymore. Babyface champions are not underdogs. That's it. That has to you, end. You, 
that it's over. It, it, you, the I'm a little. I mean, unless you want to be Rey Mysterio, and then again, we bring back That's to the worst title ever. Circling right yeah. back. That's why it sucks. And if you've ever heard any any writers' interviews, and that's why I always brought this up too, that 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 Vince clearly had no confidence in Daniel Bryan in a lot of ways because the parallels between the Rey Mysterio reign are, are are obvious. It's that okay, he's the champion, but he's still a little baby underface, you know, underdog or whatever. And, and if you ever hear any writers' interviews talk about that reign, they talk about every week they would come into the office, and Vince would say, you know what, it's you, you know this Rey thing's not going to last, guys. You know I'm I'm going to pull the trigger soon. Like they, he was giving these guys a little bit of time to play with Rey Mysterio for like a month or two until he knew who he was going to have beat him. You know what I mean? He he was never serious about it, and it it showed. He wouldn't it even obviously let them, He took the word he took the word heavyweight out of the scripts when yeah. Rey Mysterio was champion. Because he was so embarrassed over the fact that this tiny man was his champion, he yeah. wouldn't allow them to call him world heavyweight champion during his title run. And you're right. There are tons of parallels here. Um, it, it's, it's, he was never, whether he got hurt or not, he was going to lose steam as champion if they stayed down this road. People were going to turn on him. And, uh, and in a way, I'm kind of it, – it's good for him that that's not going to happen, assuming he comes out of this healthy, of course. It's good for him that 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 maybe that that didn't happen because going down this road, fans were going to. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Fans weren't going to keep supporting this guy as the champion if he was going if they were going to present him in this manner. There's no. If way. he's going to be a pussy, nobody wants to cheer a pussy. They, they, you know why would they do that? I mean, it's it, you can't. None of those uh, you know great champions of the past. None of those characters would have been presented in that manner. No. That's the point here. And um, it's it's it, it was booked horrendously, and it's in the same. Look, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't call it worse than the Rey Mysterio run. It's certainly not worse than the Jack Swagger thing, um, but it's 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 in the conversation. It's bottom five easily. There's probably one or two that we're forgetting that were equally bad, um, but this is up there, man. This was awful the way that this man, mm-hmm. the, the way that this character was presented, and um, I'm not one of those people who thinks that's it. Um, he can't come back from this after being gone for so long. I don't agree with that assessment. I still think he can be a top guy if they're going to change the way that they present him. But like I've been saying mm-hmm. all along, I don't, I don't know if they will. That is never going to happen until the day he leaves this company. He's going to be presented in the manner that you just saw since WrestleMania. That's never changing because that unless Vince McMahon drops dead and then the people in charge have a different opinion of, uh, of Daniel Bryan, it's never happening because this is how Vince McMahon views this character, and he's not going to change on that. We've seen that. Uh, you know, if putting the title on him wasn't going to make him change his views on the guy, nothing is going to, and that's doomed and, to fail. Yep, and, and certainly this injury isn't going to help either. I mean, that that's we we've seen, and and, and as you said, you you know, I, I don't. Hey, look, let me. I, I don't think he's never going to not make it, or I don't think he's going to be something big, but I think it's going to be very, there's going to take a lot of convincing as long as Vince McMahon's still there to say, you know what, we need Daniel Bryan to be another, you know, we need to give him another run, or we need to give him, you know, I feel like it's going to be, because we know this guy. We know, obviously, that he's not into this. It, if he was into Daniel Bryan initially, he wouldn't have booked him this way. We know that, correct? I completely agree. Uh, yeah, and and we know – and how does Vince treat people when they have injuries and when he makes an ultimatum and says, I want you to come back and this sort of stuff, and they don't come back or they can't come back? He he, he loses faith in them, and it's not it, it's not something that really – it might not be personal, but it's a lot of things of, you know what, I can't really trust you. I mean, look at Christian, for God's sake. I mean, not on the same level at all, but that's a guy that he doesn't trust him anymore Fandango, to be in anything. Fandango, 
Dolph Ziggler. I mean, everybody that's gotten a concussion recently, he goes, you know what? I'm not going to go with you because I don't, you know, I, I can't afford for you to be out for months again. Concussions are the kiss of death because if you get, if yeah. he pushes you and invests in you and you get another concussion, that you know, so it's it, they, they don't let you up a certain yeah. level. And you're right with the injuries; it's sort of the same way. And the other thing is, and this will upset people, but I don't care. Um, you know, with this serious neck injury, this may change the way that he's forced to work moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, goodbye, goodbye, the headbutt. If, if he's not the same level of worker that he's been, to me, Daniel Bryan no longer has any appeal. Mm-hmm. None. He has no appeal for me whatsoever. The only appeal he had with this goofy character he's been portraying for the last three years or whatever it is, since he grew out this stupid beard and has been when he's been put in a position to have great matches. That's been the only appeal for me. His character is total go-away heat for me. All of it. The yes, yes, yes. The... The beard, uh, JBL's annoying commentary, the whole package. <laughs> That's not his fault. <laughs> no, but it's the whole package, though. Yeah, I, I, the only appeal he's had to me is his work rate. If he can't work at the same level coming back. Yeah. They tell him not to or, or they say, or he, look. He, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have no use for Daniel Bryan anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not me like trying to be cold. I mean, but as, a, as an entertainer and me as a viewer, I, where's the appeal in Daniel Bryan? Because the character certainly has no appeal to me whatsoever. Right. The goat boy stuff and the yes, yes has no appeal to me. So if he can't work at that tremendous pace that he's known for, and he's one of the greatest workers of all time, without a shadow of a doubt, I've been on record as saying he's a Hall of Famer before he stepped foot in a WWF ring. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I, I would have voted him for the Hall of Fame. Before he ever stepped foot in WWE, I would have voted him. Now he's I, – I, He's sure fire, should yeah. be an absolute no-brainer first ballot mortal lock, but I would have voted for him before he ever stepped foot into it. So I'm a guy who's a huge fan, but but if he can't work at that level anymore, he's got no appeal for me. And Jay Bruce just went deep, baby. <laughs> Live commentary. Woo! Billy Hamilton got walked through in the game. Let's talk about that now. I'm just... So anyway, yeah, that, that's that's my Daniel Bryan take. Yeah, I, I'm with you. So we sort of talked about the long term of Daniel Bryan. We talked about the short term. Um, yeah, it's 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 an odd situation, definitely. It'll be it'll be very interesting. I mean, according to everything that we're sort of seeing, and especially from the observer, is that the plan is still for Brock and Bryan at, at SummerSlam. But nothing of the Bryan news I've heard has been encouraging at all. I mean, we can 